We need to update the records on how to deal with witches. Things are a little different than people think. Everyone still thinks witches are horrible-looking crones who brew things in cauldrons and wear black robes. Some of them do, but most witches actually are stylish ladies who sing magical ditties. That's pretty important to know. I think it means Lady Gaga and Beyonce owe their success to dark magic. Your backlog, The Final Frontier. These are the voyages of the RPG Backtrack. It's continuing mission to explore games from the way back when, right up through yesteryear. To seek out forgotten games and neglected classics. To boldly discuss what you have not played before. RPG Backtrack, the longest-running podcast about your favorite RPGs of the past. Get ready for in-depth discussion of plots, characters, gameplay, and more from the staff of RPGamer.com. Here are the hosts of RPG Backtrack, Bill Willis and Mike Minky. And welcome! After a long hiatus, we are back. This is RPG Backtrack number 221. Can't you hear me, Yella? Uh, my name is Bill, and this is Mr. Mike. Oh, you paused for a moment. I wasn't sure if it's, I was. Gonna it's do it's, my it's own a per, it's a pregnant pause. Oh, oh dear! Like, why did you have to use the word pregnant already? Um, it's going to be one of those nights, Mike. Miles will start having fun earlier rather than later. Apparently. Anyway, we yeah, all... I, I, did, did you recognize my Simpsons reference in the title there, Phil? Uh, I'm not a big Simpsons person, so you have to help oh, me out with yeah. that one. Repeat it again. Can't you hear me, Yella? From Streetcar, the musical version of oh. Streetcar Deep Desire. Okay, gotcha. Oh, I think that one was a little bit before my time. I really didn't get into to Simpsons until like season four, I want to say. You know, I have my Simpsons guide up there on the shelf. And, and that is Miss Kelly Ryan. Hi, Kelly. <laughs> Um, heavily investing in full-sided tape for this podcast. It's very important. You would not uh, want to have a uh, a clothing issue. A, a war- wardrobe, wardrobe malfunction. malfunction. Right. Yep. Stay away from those. And uh, and the lady who never ever has any sort of malfunction, Miss Cassandra Ramos. Um. Hello, everybody. Uh, let's just say that's true. <laughs> What's that? It's not the wardrobe type. <laughs> Right? It's all about the wardrobes. It's all about the wardrobes because tonight we are talking about Stella Glow. And and and, and Mike has just tried to warm uh, get me warmed up a bit by uh, for the podcast by showing me the first 
picture of one of these ladies in this game uh, who I, I don't even know what's keeping her costume like held up because I mean, it defies the laws of gravity when you think about it. I mean, as the game the game goes on, the chest get bigger and the clothing gets smaller. Oh, I well, just another what? thumbnail for you, Phil. I mean, one of them is technically mostly dressed. She just needs to zip up. Yeah. There's there's nothing that could go wrong with tonight's podcast. Uh, so I hope you guys are ready for a scan scantalizing skin whatever. Just scintillating. Just, scintillating. Uh, bothersome, terribly troubling uh, podcast. That's troubling for all the right reasons. Now, what's hilarious is that this game isn't wasn't even marketed like one of those games. Like the the review that Anna just did is worse as far as that. Oh, oh, this game. oh don't don't get don't that that that, that, that don't you take away my don't you steal my thunder. That's coming up later on. Okay. Uh, so thunder. don't steal my thunder. So we're gonna take a little break and we'll be right back with the main event. take a game or series a game and we dive in underneath of its tight clothing to see what we can find tonight we're talking about stella glow developed by image epoch published in north america by atlas usa this was released on the nintendo 3ds on november 17th 2015 a single player tactical rpg experience and uh, we're going to dive into the story. I actually have this game. I'm looking forward to playing it at some point. So I'm going to walk away while you guys dive into the juicy pits of the plot. Well, the game starts out with Aldo, who is an amnesiac, and his friend Lisette, who takes him in and takes care of him. And one day their village gets attacked by a witch and gets uh, tur- turned into crystal. And Aldo and Lisette um, get recruited by this group of knights known as the Ninth Legion. Did I say that right? 
the Ninth Regiment is Ninth that, Regiment. Is the name of that particular group that uh, they join. Okay. Forgive me. It's been a little bit since I played this, even though I finished it a couple of months ago. So the Ninth Regiment um, is an order to is an order of knights that are trying to save the world um, from this witch that apparently has been going around and singing the song of ruin that has been turning everybody into crystal. Um, and that's the other thing too is that in this world, um, only beings named witches can sing. Otherwise, there's no songs, no music. Um, and it turns out that Lisa, Lisette, your childhood friend, is a witch. And Alto, the it might be more accurate to say she becomes a witch because in uh, this world, uh, there are special stones called qualia that if they if they join with a, a girl with um high empathy, she could become a witch. There's only five ever at a time. Right, and it's it's each of the elements: so fire, wind, water, earth, and I guess and destruction. No oh, time. Well, yeah, well, I guess it's kind of that's for later, but yeah, yeah, it's technically time. And you'll have to forgive me if uh, uh, the plot summary is kind of all over the place. It's kind of hard to find a plot summary online for this game, so but both Cassie and me are just kind of like trying to remember most of it. I'm looking uh, at my old review and re- being reminded that Alto, at the same time Lizette becomes the Water Witch, becomes the conductor. Well, he they don't know he's a conductor until. Basically, after this, after the uh, wind witch Popo joins, but <laughs> kind of getting ahead of themselves. But yeah. he's able to weaken her power by by he doesn't quite understand what happens at first. Lizette is all in despair because her village has been attacked and her mother has been crystallized. So he somehow enters her inner mind and manages to bring her out of despair. Later, you find out why. It's be, later, you find out why. But it, I guess uh, we'll go into that a little bit. But um, he, so this Ninth Regiment is the uh, Royal Company of Knights, whose goal is to find all of the remaining witches and have them sing a song to help undo the crystallization process. The anthem. Yeah, the anthem. So that, that's what you end up doing. Um, you've got the leader, Klaus, who's kind of yes. rounding everybody up. Uh, just um, as a, a little fun aside, um, as we kind of, should mention this earlier, Stella Glow is the spiritual successor to the Luminous Arc series, which we saw two games of here. Mm-hmm. And Klaus is definitely a uh, in, in, like a, a shout out, I guess, an XP of characters from the first two Luminous Arc games. Heath uh, and um, what's his, his name is Richter. They're both blonde knights that are very well respected. And uh. so, yeah, it's definitely deliberate. I only ever played Even, Luminous Arc 1. Story oh. Yeah, Heath. And I did find it funny that in Luminous Arc 1, witches were, were quote-unquote sort of evil, and then in this game, that they're trying to find them. Yes, but they don't, witches kind of have a mixed reputation because of Hilda. Yeah. So, um, so, so you've got Klaus, who's the leader of the guard, and then you've got Archibald, who is the t- tank character, and then Rusty, who's kind of a thief sleaze kind of character um, in, into women and drinking. Um, and, and that's your party at the start of the game. And one of the first places you go to is um, Port Noir. The... Yeah, it's yeah, called Port Noir, where the Wind Witch was sighted. Uh, I guess, like, yeah, when you get there, uh, you find out that people live in fear of the Wind Witch because she apparently wreaks some havoc at some point. Uh, you interview around, you later run into Popo. 
herself and she's reluctant to join because she feels like she needs to stay a, n- near town to help him out. Mm-hmm. You also speak to Mayor Bonanza who claims that he helped to banish the witch, but he also protects her, quote unquote, because the people don't like her. You late, you certainly people don't like her because of something she didn't. I don't really think they explained fully what she might have done. She probably just accidentally blew something away with the wind or what have you. Yeah, it was, it was like an accident that they yeah. blamed her for, and it turned out yeah. that the mayor was a scumbag, and yes. that final boss funded. Yeah, that final boss funded that chapter. You, you fight the mayor, and I think that's the first time when you use the conductor ability. Yes, because um, yeah, at that battle, Popo finds out that the that mayor has been tricking her the whole time by making her spin a windmill that helps to raise drug plants. It's a made-up drug called Mopia. Oh. <laughs> and she's all in despair thinking, I am a terrible person. Look what I've done. Even though he was tricked into doing it, she falls into despair and Alto reaches out to her and enters her inner heart to talk her back out of it. That's called tuning. And that's when they later find out he's the conductor. And during that battle, he conducts Popo to sing a great song called Rusty Key that lasts for a few turns and makes the enemies uh, unable to attack for multiple turns. Very useful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the uh, th- that bit can be so broken later on in the game as you get more witches. Um, mm-hmm. you also you also meet Ewain in the in this yeah, chapter. Yes, e- Ewan. He's a thirteen-year-old merchant kid. He may or may, he's probably not a kitsune, but he's able to wag his tail sometimes. <laughs> See, I had a hard time telling by the character art if that was just a tail or if that was. No, there's a, like, early on when you first meet him, Lizette pulls on his tail, and it, it comes away. It seems to be a charm. Okay. But, like, some, I'm pretty sure Alto, like, makes a comment, like, how can he wag that thing? <laughs> so he's probably not a fox in disguise, but, eh. You never he's know. A shrewd, he's a shrewd kid, like, likes money, likes to make money. Mm-hmm. And, and he's very, he can, he's useful in battle in the beginning because he can open chests without having to, um, unlocked him first and he also uh has a healing ability that actually costs money as in the battlefield so he's very useful in the beginning but then as you get other characters he kind of gets outshone very quick especially since he's slow yes and and rusty can steal later on too so you don't even need him for that so then in the next chapter you're going to meet the fire witch and you essentially go to Japan, or this game's equivalent of Japan, because it's got the paper lanterns and has a very eastern theme. And that is called... You you forgot what it was called? Amatsu. Amatsu, right. Uh, And that's where you meet Sakuya, Sakuya, who is the um, fire witch and the priestess of Amatsu. And they're getting ready to have a uh, festival. Sakuya is kind of a jerk. um, Very obsessed with beauty. Um, she also has a servant named uh, Nanoka, who is a ninja girl that wears a cardboard box on her head just so that she could um, sneak around better. It also makes her feel less, less nervous because she's even with it on, she's a nervous wreck. Yeah. Um, so in, in the course of this chapter, you find out that the um, that uh, Sakuya can't can't sing. She's lost her ability to sing, so that she's been she's been faking it, and she needs to be able to sing before the festival starts. And that I, was this the fir- first time that you had to go in to go to tune a witch? No, that well, that's what well, te- I guess. Um, well, the uh, tuning part that technically has with Popo. And I oh. guess with that in the very beginning, but. With Sakuya, the reason she has a hard time singing is because at first she seems like a prim and proper lady, 
very polite, very reserved. But later you like uh, later when you try later on when you meet her, you find out that yeah, she's actually a big jerk, but she hides it. Thinking, Aww. you know, I'm the priestess, I need to be this way. But because she's not being true to herself, she loses that she is unable to sing and she needs to sing because the volcano will erupt otherwise. And they, the town kind of treats her like an idol singer because Archibald um, dresses up in a kimono and basically dresses like a fan of her. Yeah, there's a couple of NPCs that dress the same way. Yeah, yeah. but I, I, I couldn't remember if this was where you went into the her psyche. Well, you do that with all of them, but that's how you, that's how she's able to sing again. Also enters. Oh into her inner I forget exactly what's called it's like her inner world her mind but to tune her to get her to realize it's okay you can act like yourself you don't have to fake you don't have to fake it it's like sure she's curt and can be mean sometimes but she's honest and genuine mm-hmm. so yeah yeah you teach her how to sing again you stop the volcano from erupting and then um and you also beat back um hilda one of hilda's minions a creepy little girl named dorothy <laughs> I forgot about I forgot about Dorothy. Yeah, she's yeah. disturbing. Yep, likes blood and carnage, and she dresses in a creepy bunny outfit, and she's eleven, and she'll later join the party. Yeah, I, I played this right after like one of the Trails games that had a creepy little girl too. And at that point, I was done with the creepy little girl quota for the year. <laughs> I mean, Japan um, loves their creepy, creepy little girl. So. Say what? I think I know which creepy little girl you're talking about. Yeah. Yes. Um, so then ne- next you're off to go fight or find the Earth Witch, and this is where Rusty's hometown was b- burned to the ground. Yeah, and... Kazakhstan, it's called. A, I think it's a neighboring nation that used to be ruled by the Earth Witch. Mm-hmm. But, um, and you find out, find out that one of the Harbingers um, in Hilda's party betrayed the uh, Ninth Regiment, and that's how um, Kazakhstan. I said almost a Kazakhstan. Um, that's how you find out that that place burned down, and Rusty has like a huge grudge against um, Haraldo mm-hmm. for betraying them. And you, you meet the two, um, not not Earth Witches, so you meet you meet two girls, um, Morden Mort and her sister, whose name I'm blanking on. Yeah, um, the. Cosmoston villagers are very hesitant to meet you because of the uh, their place getting destroyed. And the two sisters are also being assisted by a mercenary named Keith, who's, who's my favorite character. He's a sniper that thinks he's going to be king. He's and, boisterous, and most, most of the characters don't like him. <laughs> yeah, most of the characters don't, but he's also very honest. And yeah. I also really liked his ability. Uh, so... As you go through um, the Earth Witch's story, you find out that um, the sister and the town are just illusions created by Mortimort because she was so traumatized by losing Kazmistan that she created um, an, an illusion of using her Earth magic. Yeah, What's well, actually especially interesting, I, I really like what the story does here. Uh, when you, the uh, sister, okay, it looks up, her name is Nikki. Uh, she reveals of herself to be the Earth Witch. Even though, if you look at the box, you know it's Mortimort. Mm-hmm. So I first thought to myself, oh, she's probably going to get killed by the Harbingers, and then uh, Mortimort will be the Earth Witch. But no, and then, it, and, and then even a little later, after Nikki is seemingly killed by one of the Harbingers, uh, Alto goes to find Morty, and she's like, like trying to uh, craft things out of mud, saying, I need to make a new big sis. 
you think she's just so traumatized by what happened that she's, you know, just doing whatever and also isn't sure what to do. And then you find out, no, that's how she creates these illusions by making mud dolls mm-hmm. and casting her magic over it. That's and that, uh, that goes part in, part into her abilities too when she joins your party because she can make um, decoys um, in certain levels, which come in very handy um, as some of the enemies get harder because the decoys automatically just hone in or the enemies hone in on the decoy. Mm-hmm. Um very handy for her. But um, once Alto kind of tunes her and makes her um, realize that she shouldn't be guilty over what happened to um, Kazmistan, um, she overcomes it, sings, and that's how she joins your party along with Keith. And then finally, you've got all four witches to be able to sing the anthem. Oh, wait. Before that hap- before they sing the anthem, um, Lizette is having trouble singing and go- goes through an entire chapter of wondering why she's having trouble singing. And it turns out it's because she's hiding her feelings for Alto. Because, mm-hmm. surprise, surprise, childhood friends, all of a sudden they like each other. I mean, to be fair, <laughs> he, he's known her for three. She's They've known each other for three years, but he uh, lived with them like a brother. Still, yeah. you know, it's, it's kind of understandable that she has a crush on him. Yeah. And I just remember this part of the reason why my memory is so spotty on the plot of this game is because I averaged about a chapter a month because I I love this game and I played it, but I um, didn't marathon it like I do with other games. I kind of just played it piecemeal, Um, very like battle here, battle there. (laughs) So you go through that chapter and then... um, the anthem gets sung, and Hilda... Well, actually, before... Uh, there's, a, there's a few more. I mean, I guess it's a little bit, but uh, even before then, Lizette gets attacked by Hilda with an... I think it was an, a dagger called the Carbuncle that's supposed to destroy her qualia and would kill her along with it. It would take finally realizing... Like, finally admitting to herself, yes, I'm in love with Alto, so she can get uh, tuned properly and be able to sing, and then that purifies the, uh, the poisoning by the Carbuncle, and she doesn't die. There's also a hot springs chapter. Like it's part of the story too. Like the, the, the they all go to the hot springs and have a bunch of goofy antics there. Like, yeah. At least like, this arc had the decency to make that a side quest. Yeah, like like you do in a waifu game. <laughs> yeah, but it should be a side quest. It's not part of the main story. I remember actually being in a drive-through in a McDonald's while I was playing through that chapter, and while we was waiting, I showed my husband the DS. It's like, look, Hot Springs chapter, and at that point, that's I think that's the only time you see Nanoka without her box on her head, and I didn't even realize it was her. Everybody else is just like, who are you? And I think Sock is the only one to recognize her. Like, oh, and it's like, hey, it's me. Yeah, but but that was funny. Um, so then the the anthem gets sung. Um, Alto and Lizette's hometown gets uncrystallized, and then that's when you find out that uh, that's been Klaus's uh, thing all along is getting the anthem sung. Because what was the, I uh, the well the anthem? Okay, so the anthem is supposed to un- undo Hilda's crystallization. However, as no well, as Hilda knew, but for whatever reasons, apparently all she ever says is like you wouldn't understand. Uh, the reason she was crystallizing the world is because. Um, otherwise God would reawaken. Uh, there was a little, like a little story in the beginning about the hero Elcrest, who went to subdue the God on the moon because the God was upset at humanity for not worshiping it anymore. So the anthem was needed, the, uh, sorry, the anthem was needed to undo the crystallization because this God, this quote unquote God would reawaken when there's too much human emotion. By then it would 
realize, think, okay, there's too many people. I need to obliterate most of them. And Hilda was trying to stop this by crystallizing people so they couldn't move and they wouldn't technically have any emotions because they're crystal. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's a plan. It's not a very good one. And I mean, I can kind of understand why she didn't want to explain it. But at the same time, you could have said something. Yeah. Um, it doesn't help that Hilda has been around for a thousand years and knew because um, Alto is a reincarnation. Of, oh, no, is either is he no, a reincarnation? He's not the reincarnation. He is, and he is late, as you later find out, an amnesiac Elcrest, the hero who supposedly subdued God. Uh, I guess I'll get into that. So, what actually happened a thousand years ago is that the hero Elcrest went with the witches to try to stop God, but at the last moment, God launched an attack that nearly corrupted him, filled him with despair, and he was afraid he might start hurting. People. He just felt all this despair, all this anger, all this sadness. So he's put to sleep for a thousand years to purify him. So it, okay. it is him, but he's amnesiac, an amnesiac Elcrest. And the Elcrest personality is still partially there. It talks to him sometimes during the tooting scene. Right. Right. I, re- I remember now. And um... yeah, Hilda was, the, was, was tasked with protecting the world for the past thousand years. And well, she, she tried. She she tried. Um, she said she supposedly she froze her her internal clock so she could live for so long. There's some implication that the reason she's so cold and distant is because of that. I mean, the game doesn't mm-hmm. explain it well enough, but it's there. Yeah. Um. You also meet a quote, quote unquote mad science scientist character named Veronica who kind of knows all about the world but doesn't really say anything. And you find out that she was um, part of the ancient civilization called the Technologians. Um, yeah, the tech, yeah, the Technolomies from over yeah, five. Technologies. Yeah, from over five thousand years ago. So yeah, uh, that yeah that story there. Um, yeah, and that that's basically like explaining what happened five thousand years ago, how the despair created the god. Um, you know, it, even before then, uh, like people had the these technology advanced people had found out a way to create real magic by harnessing the power of emotions. But there was a like massive wars all over the world, and it made everybody just collectively wish, can this all? Can we just end this all? Can everybody just die? And this created the, and this turn this created a crystal on the moon called the Mother Qualia. And it granted their wish and decimate, like, I guess decimate is not the right word, just an, for, almost annihilated the entire planet, or at least all of humanity upon it. And it would take another 4,000 years before enough people would come, you know, there'd be enough people on a planet to reawaken God again and set mm-hmm. off its, okay, time to eliminate people, switch. And Klaus this whole time was an angel that um, got corrupted by this corruption. Well, he was, well, he was turned into an angel. He was the... He was the king of Reg- the Regnant Kingdom at the time, Zeno the Beast King, mm-hmm. and the friend of Elcrest. But yeah, he was corrupted by Mother Qualia and has been her right-hand man working behind the scenes the whole time. And you, you know, we figure out pretty early that something is up with Klaus because for some reason you can't increase his affinity like halfway through the game. Mm-hmm. And it, it was like, no, I want to increase his, his affinity because he's a good healer. I want more of his special skills. And he's a bad guy. Yes. I mean, it's, I mean, it's, so, I mean, aside from that, the story is somewhat subtle. And it is kind of neat when he finally does show his hand as to who he is. And mm. Matt Mercer is just awesome when he's like laughing maniacally as Klaus. Oh, yeah. Um, 
when I realized that that was Matt Mercer, it's like, oh, I love you, <laughs> Klaus. You're awesome. Um, so after the characters find this out and Veronica's kind of a jerk to them about it, because she's kind of like, I don't care what happens to the world. Um, everybody kind of loses, loses hope. The princess is killed at this point, who has been kind of leading this charge this whole time and her last wish to save the world. And eventually the entire party just kind of like picks themselves up and be like, okay, we're, we're going to do this. And that's when they climb the Yggdrasil and go and defeat the Mother Qualia. I also forgot to mention the character that's kind of a side character throughout the entire thing, um, Marie, who is the amnesiac that um, Alto finds in the capital, and she's kind of like the the team mascot. Um, well, the she, second one, I guess the first one would be Boo Boo Popo. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, the keychain that comes mm-hmm. with the game if you bought it physically but um marie's Which very not int- because i actually got the review code from mac for uh, yeah i yeah i actually lost mine it fell off my bag I think mine's still in my box of editions because i didn't want but um marie is very chill cheerful very very happy but also has amnesia and you find out that she was a part of mother qualia that got broken off and sent to earth Yes, and she has a sister of sorts, a personality within Mother Qualia, Qualia called Eve, who is a basically a, another creepy little girl mm-hmm. who wants nothing more than to bring destruction to humanity because that's her purpose. That's why she was born. And so the, then, yeah, they go to the moon. Yeah, <laughs> part part of the motivation is to get Marie back because you know the entire party loves her and stuff. Um, but yeah, you go to the moon, Klaus is chasing you, um, I guess he's Zeno at this point, he, he's, he's completely OP in some of these chapters, and then eventually you beat Klaus, and then you have the fight with the, um, Mother Qualia, um, I actually got the good ending where you max out Klaus's affinity and you get Gisette in your party, and I don't remember what the difference between the, the good ending and yeah, the... I can, yeah, I can come... I think I can somewhat remember. So in the normal ending, which you get... You can only get the good ending on a new game plus, first off. Okay. But in the normal ending, uh, they are... So they have to defeat Eve, but the only way to completely defeat her is by... Like, Marie basically holds her... Is able to, like, hold her back a bit. So, like, destroyed for good. But, of course, unfortunately, Marie is killed as well. So, yeah, the, you know, the world is saved... Don't have to worry about Mother Qualia raining destruction anymore. Most of the angels are gone. I think there's still some rogue ones, but it's not entirely a happy ending because you know they lost a good friend. Um, on the good ending, which you get by maxing out your affinity with Klaus, as you mentioned before. But oddly enough, you don't. He doesn't like like uh, he doesn't stay on your party or in any way gets reformed. Instead, this causes Giselle to join your party because she does like Klaus. Klaus created her. She's an artificial angel. Mm-hmm. And she wants to try to save him, though I don't think they do, except Klaus might be slightly nicer towards the party in the good ending. Mm-hmm. But because of that, uh, when they go to Mother Qualia, Qualia, instead of delivering the final blow, Alto thinks, why don't we try to tune Mother, try to tune Eve? And at first, Veronica laughs at this, not because it's a crazy idea, but because she never thought of it after all these thousands of years. Hmm. So Alto tunes Eve, and inside of Eve is another, a a darker personality, the one that was imbued into her from all the despair from humanity, called Cartesia. 
Uh, by the way, all these all these three, Eve, Marie, and Cartesia, are voiced by Cassandra Lee Morris, and she, she's a great actress, but she has no range. You can mm. tell it's all the same person. And if, they all sound like Adia. Sorry. <laughs> anyway, anyway, you destroy Cartesia, and Eve is freed from all that despair, but she still feels terrible because, you know, she destroyed mankind twice, or almost did. But they said, you know, you can still make up for all the bad, you know, you can still make up for just, you know, come down to Earth and let's be friends and try to help redeem you. But Cartesia somehow from is able, like, sort of set the moon up to destroy itself so it would kill all of them and presumably anybody on the Earth's surface. So instead, Eve sings a song to keep the moon together and stop it from being destroyed. So she'll, she's up there for eternity. And, and you, you do hear the song. It's a nice song. They all return to Earth along with Murray, who is alive. She is a little sad that her sister Eve can't be there with her, but they, like at the end of the game, they all tell the story on how the god on the moon had been redeemed and now protects the world by singing a song and preventing the destruction. And on clearer nights, you can hear her song from Up on the Moon. Very sweet ending. And that's pr- pretty much the story in a nutshell. Yeah. And uh, that's a fun little thing. It's, a, it's, it's actually pretty subtle, and I really like this. Um, so this world, they, they call it, the, the kingdom is called Regnant. Um, you, you might think the era of technologies could just be like a Magitech civilization. But there's one, if you look at Veronica's profile, it'll say her hometown is London. Also, in, mm. her, in her ending, she mentions Mars. So, yeah. Regnant is actually on Earth in a very distant, like our Earth. So, yeah, if anybody re- creates real magic, be very afraid. Because <laughs> the moon's about ready to kill us exactly. for being too sad. Well, if if, if it was going to do it, it'd be 2020. Yes, <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, I digress. I, I really enjoyed this game. Um, it, it, it definitely threw some curveballs. I mean, joking aside about Klaus, I had a feeling something was going on, but that that curveball at the end um, just kind of threw me for a loop. Uh, and I also really enjoyed all of the characters in this game and just how ranged their personalities were. There wasn't... Um, it felt like there wasn't really any overlapping personalities or anything. Um, like I said, Keith ended up being my favorite. Um, even though Sakuna was kind of a jerk, I still I liked her sassy personality. She reminded, reminded me very much of uh, Sailor Mars, who's my favorite Sailor Scout. Um, everybody's just super charming. In- oh, yeah, for sure. Um, totally. And it's like, sure, not, no, nobody's exactly like super deep or anything, but they all have a little bit of hit, like a, a little bit of extra to their personalities and what you might mm-hmm. know, especially because when Alto can do, like, can have conversations with them to bond with them and, and learn a little bit more about their background and personality. And I'm, I'm not sure who's my exact favorite because I do like Lizette. Like she's a, she's friendly. She's the team mom, but she also has like a joking side to her. Can be a little bit goofy. Mm-hmm. And yeah, Sakuya is really. I really like her personality too. Um, and yeah, like again, Klaus for being like a very effective villain. Mm-hmm. But, but but the funny thing is that when he is um, in the beginning of the game, he's very kind of fatherly to mm-hmm. the party. And he, apparently he's also a ladies man and enjoys buying chocolates for the ladies. Well, because there's a funny little thing. I, I think it might be during the main story. It could just be a side event. I'm not sure. Uh, early on, they talk about uh, a, a person who reviews desserts called Mr. Mm. X. They mm-hmm. even buy books about dessert, like the different cafes he visits. And then you later find out Mr. X has been Klaus this whole time. 
and you see him in a cafe in a suit reviewing their latest um, dessert. It's like like he's like, like he's got he's go- he's got that like different hidden side to him. He likes sweets. Like and then you find out oh he's actually been he's actually been plotting to destroy the world this whole time, and he's been corrupted by despair. And then you've got Archibald, who's just a big dork, but then you find out um, that he's a a, a secret idol fan um, in the Sakuna chapter, which is just adorable. It's very rare that I play through a game where there isn't at least one character that I hate, and I didn't hate any character in this game. Like, even Veronica, as jerky as she is at the end of the game, it's like, I I can appreciate her sass. No, she's she's fun, too. Like, you do understand why she is the way she is. She's been around for a very long time, eating angel wings to keep herself alive. Which made me hungry every time she brought it up. (laughs) Yeah. And then she was like, this one is, she said something like, this one has been fried and dipped in hot sauce or something. Yeah. <laughs> uh, she's like, voiced by yeah, by um, Aaron Fitzgerald, by the way, who is an amazing actress. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I can't tell if I'm grossed out by her angel wing thing or like really intrigued as to what they taste like. Do they taste like hot <laughs> wings? But I, I was also very hungry when that brought up, when that always got brought up. Yeah. Um, so she also like this sort of uh she kind of back talks to the final boss to eve which is weirdly funny it's like hey she's like hey shut up kid mm-hmm. and uh just getting into the voice actor I, wendy lee is one of them and i'm blanking on who it is She's now hilda. she is hilda, oh, hilda. okay gotcha and, um yes, which is kind of odd because in the vi- like maybe not the very first line because the very first thing you see when starting a new game is a flashback to Elcrest being consumed by despair and you hear wendy lee as hilda's like crying out saying you know i will i'll wait forever and protect the world for you mm-hmm. and then right after that alto and lizette meet hilda and hilda i think she's supposed, she's supposed to sound cold and aloof i'm sure but it's like wendy lee got up on the wrong side of the bed that day she just sounds bored and tired <laughs> And this is, this, Wendy Lee's been in the voice acting business since, like, the, the late 80s. She's, like, she's basically an icon as far as anime and video games go. Mm-hmm. And, I don't know, I guess she was just off that day. The, re- the rest of the game, she's excellent. Yeah. Um, and then you've also got uh, Max Middleton as Rusty. <laughs> He's got that sass that I like. Uh, yeah, Patrick, Patrick Seitz is um, Archibald, and he just sounds boisterous. Yeah. Some. <laughs> I, I felt bad for some reason. I kept thinking that Archibald was Travis Wingham, and that when I realized it wasn't, I was like, "Oh, nah, nah, sorry." But he he's he seems to have gotten into that can't do non-union work any again, like us, so many other actors. Yeah, which is good uh, for them, but you know. And then you've got Christina V as Nonoka. Um, they, man, they pulled out the stops on the voice yeah. cast on this, which is makes me kind of annoyed that I have to play it play ds games quiet so that i don't disturb um my husband while he's driving or like also himself is robbie damon uh who is in a a lot of plays like it's been done a lot of big characters now yeah a little bit of everything uh keith is um is uh kyle i bear who's always cool but yeah, I mean that I love the characters. Um, and then getting into the battle system, it's it's isometric Final Fantasy Tactics X esque battle. Um, you bring five characters. Is it five characters? I'm pretty it's sure. It's sub six characters. Okay. So sometimes you can get like a few extra for plot reasons, but it's it's usually six. Yeah. Um. Each character has has very diff- different abilities, which I, I I appreciate it when they aren't just cookie cutter characters. Um. 
Klaus is kind of a t- tanky paladin type that also heals. Um, Alto is ca- kind of an over overall rounded warrior type. Um, Lizette is this is the best healer in the game. Um, Popo is probably the second best healer in the game, but she also has the uh, uh, bow and arrow, which can does do some pretty neat damage, um, especially from afar. And then Rusty has like a huge movement range and uses daggers, so he um, he's good for like getting a couple of quick shots in and can um, do like one range away. So he he's gonna be your one for opening chests, especially when he gets the ability to open chests. Um, and Wayne is has got the guns, though I I find that he got replaced first pretty much right off the bat. Yes, because um, yeah, uh, yeah, even Morty Mort can use guns oddly, so even he gets outclassed there because he can only shoot in straight lines, and Morty Mort presumably uses magic to make her gun shoots in all directions. Yeah. Um. Plus, like I said before, Morty Mort's uh spell abilities are just so handy. Um. Sakunya has the two different stances where one of them she has a better movement range but can't do enough do as much damage but then the other stance um she can do just insane damage but she can't move very far um she was pretty op throughout the entire game and her fire magic just devastated oh yep she's yeah her uh her songs also allow her to increase credit uh, e- either or either or both attack power and critical Mm-hmm. chance so that's um who else am i missing uh we have all well i guess archibald is your is a you know is a tank and he also can defend character defend characters it's always neat when somebody gets attacked and then you hear him say not on my watch and he blocks mm-hmm. the attack yeah so it's good to keep some of those glass cannons around him even though mm-hmm. um archibald's uh movement suck sucks the most out of all of them. yeah um he can't he can't move for anything i guess it's that heavy armor and then Nanoka is one of the ones that also has a very high movement range, and she does awesome damage and has stealth, which does even more damage. But she's also pretty weak. Pretty weak. She has a she also has the ability that in, like increases the chance to use a status effect, so that's pretty useful. Although I would like the the whole uh, uses the ability where she backstabs an enemy and then she disappears and then you can attack again. Mm-hmm. In in the vanish mode. Yeah, that that is awesome. And like, her my design is ridiculous, but I, she is super useful in battle. Yeah, but my favorite thing about her though is when she does certain attacks, she'll um shrink down into her cardboard box. Mm-hmm. And she which, somehow vanishes. <laughs> which is funny. All cracked me up me every of time. An animation that I had forgotten somehow. Um, and then eventually the Harbingers join you. I didn't use them that much except for Hilda, and that's only because Hilda's um, spells were so OP. Yes, yes she is the time. Yes, she's the Time Witch and originally the Witch of Ruin, so she is pretty. So her spells are pretty strong. Plus, it, I think one of her songs can can do like a time stop on enemies and that's always useful yeah yeah which is especially useful in some of those later levels mm-hmm. um i already talked about keith he's the he's an archer he's a little bit of a more powerful archer than popo but he's slow so he always moves last um but his, he has very good aoe attacks mm-hmm. and um some of the characters you get later in the game uh you get veronica who's the best spellcaster yeah, yeah, she can use and, one of, I think, of at least the four major elements. Yeah. And it's kind of neat, because when she does that, she, like, she she flies on her staff, like it's a skateboard, and she recites, like, several digits of pi. 3.1416, <laughs> yeah, and then casts a cell. Like. Notice that. That's funny. 
And then um, if you're going the true ending path, then you get Giselle, who is just so powerful and so broken, and you pretty much need her for the rest of those fights because yeah, Cartesia is not easy. Yeah, no, I I spent several several days trying to defeat Dark Cartesia and not getting anywhere because um, you had a very specific window when you could hit her, and you, in the meantime you're dealing with angels, and it is just. Oh my god, that fight was a nightmare. Yeah, those angels can be quite the handful. One thing that I loved about this game, I mean, with the exception of Wayne, so many of the characters were in combat, um, especially the witches. Because uh, not only do the witches have the best spells, but they also have those, um, or the songs, which, and the songs were just broken. They were so good. Mm-hmm. It's yes, and it's good music as well. And they, but they all are super useful. Lizette, like her first one to the sea, of course, heals all all your party. And her second one, Levia, is does a ton of damages to enemies and then heals way more. Mm. And I remember I basically had a Levia going on for all the final bosses, just constantly having her sing that because I really needed that healing. And not only do I, they have the that songs... That is exactly how I remember the final boss fight going, although <laughs> it may have been because I had a lot of time to kill. I was sitting in a jury room waiting to see if I was getting selected for jury duty. Ah, uh, yes. The best place to play DS. <laughs> I couldn't figure out a way to beat it except by constantly just waiting mm-hmm. for her to run out of MP, which... It went very slowly, but I had several hours, so that is the way that I beat the final boss by, what did she use, 10, 12 MP at a time, and she had 999 MP. Wow. Uh, I, didn't, I, 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 just, I basically had a Levia going the whole time to keep everybody healthy while everybody else damages the final boss. I honestly don't remember how I got through that. I know it took several tries. Um, although, I, I had this suspend save, because I, I, I turned my game recently, and for some reason I had Popo's second conduct song, uh, which name escapes me right now. And it's just like, I don't remember what that did. I, I left it so that way I could see all of the different character endings. Because mm-hmm. you can also see a different ending with every character with all of them. Although, yeah. only, uh, like, only the girls are... Ro- like no, not not even all of the girls are romantic, but but yeah, those are kind of neat to see. Although they just add like an e- extra silly scene at the end. And talking about how OP the witches are, not only do they have the songs that Alto can t- conduct, but they also have special song magics that are just super useful to either give you a huge AOE buff or a huge AOE damage spell. In the mm-hmm. c- c- case of Sakuna. Um, with Lizette, she not only has like one of the best healing spells in the entire game using that, you can also have a regen going on with her. So ideally you want to, like in some of the harder fights, you want to kind of get her the song levels up a little bit and then have her pop um, the AoE regen on her as well as, um, I think Mortimer has the AoE defense that you can use. I, yeah, I can't remember exactly, but yes, maybe I can... It's like every every time I went to battle and I wasn't using a witch, I kind of felt like I like wasn't using the optimum strategy because <laughs> they, they the witches are just so powerful in this game. And then you get Veronica and Giselle, who are also just ridiculously powerful. And it's like I don't know who to use. Yes, and, I mean, I, I yeah, I think actually I think the character I probably used least was Dorothy, just because she like her. Her shtick is that when she's low on HP, her 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 attacks goes up, and I think she she crits more often. Mm-hmm. But she's like she's so frail. I I never want to use. 
Zerg would just be like, she's going to get knocked out immediately, like, immediately after this. I'd rather not. And a lot of her attacks also do damage to herself, too. Mm-hmm. Really, Dante was at least a, was more useful. Frodo dies and never gets to join that. Well, maybe not quite poor guy, but alas, poor villain. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was going to bring up something else, too, and I completely forgot. Um, and the, the nice thing about doing the uh, character events is that it unlocks even more abilities per character and it it can be really kind of hard at some point trying to figure out which characters you want to work with because um you know archibald we talked about how he um steps in to defend people like that that ability gets a larger range the more and more you raise him up and Mm -hmm. he's just like a gym to have in battle because of it also if you max out his affinity he increases his movement so that makes it really useful yeah on a first Uh, playthrough yeah a first playthrough you get a limited amount of uh like a free time events mm -hmm. because the way the game is broken up it's arranged on this clock like device at least after the first like chapter i think where you get like blue dots representing free time which is which uh, alto can either view the side events of characters or do other side questy things and the red mission times which is the main story mm-hmm. and you only get three i think like free times and with also and, and chances are you're probably you don't have to of course i i, I didn't uh, you'll want to spend a lot of those on the witches to unlock their abilities um, I could only get two witches to uh, their... Cause the witches, I, g- I guess I can get into this. The witches have a an upgraded class as their goddess forms, where they're described as being the true earth witch, water witch, fire witch, what have you. And they're ex- they get their second conduct song, and they're extremely powerful, and get a wardrobe change as well. Yeah. I also get two witches to their goddess forms, my first playthrough, Lizette and Sakuya. On the second playthrough, you you get nine each, and you are very easily going to max out everybody's affinity that way. Which is kind of silly when you see like the seat, like the uh, the still events showing all the witches at the end game, just like you're all in your goddess forms now. Why are you still wearing your old outfits? Hmm. Unfortunately, I never maxed out anybody's affinity. Um, I was trying to kind of raise everybody evenly, and I think I got them to like almost two thirds of the heart. By the end of the game. Especially since like. With the witches. It, sometimes you'll think that you're going to get another level of affinity. And it turns out well no. No they're, they've got chains on their hearts. So you have to spend an event point. To yeah, go to, in and. To tune, um, to tune them. And some of, some of those fights just get so hard. Especially the ones where you had to chase. The witch around. And especially with Popo. Who of course gets a, a movement increase. Mm-hmm. So that yeah, I remember those being really annoying. Like, can you stand still, please? Yeah. I'm trying to. I'm trying to. You know, uh, this is the closest thing to therapy there is in this world. Yeah. Not not only stand still, but you've got one way platform. Oh yeah. Uh, some of those could get pretty frustrating, but oh, overall, I love the combat in this game. I I couldn't get enough of it, especially um, tr- trying to raise my ca- characters to just kind of buff them up a little bit, doing some of the um, side fights. And a lot, there's even side fights that you can unlock using play coins, which I never did because I thought it was going to be a little bit too hard. I, I don't. If we should have Phil back now that we're starting to talk about fighting. Um, I thought said, I summoned him back. It said BRB, so yeah. <laughs> oh, just cause. but but yeah, and, and one there's also uh, one little like uh, which I thought was pretty neat. Um, I forget exactly what they're called. It's like special win conditions. 
because especially some of the earlier fights can be relatively easy, but they do challenge you to try to do different things like let this uh, avoid this character take any damage or open all the chests, which I thought was a way to change things up at least until later on and the game gets more of a challenge becomes more of a challenge and then it's mm-hmm. just like you can ignore those because sure extra things are nice, but these angels are hard. <laughs> Yeah, those angels, um, especially later on when they can create copies of themselves. No, no that's yes, that's not fun. Or you had those like those upgraded angels that did a ton of damage. <sighs> yeah, and they they had the weirdest designs I've ever seen in angels. They they reminded me of the um, creepy face angels in Evangelion. It, I mean, I, it, I don't know if it, I don't know if it's a, if it's a purposeful callback, but they're they're weird. They are very strange. The bulging eyes and the weird, creepy voices that sound like they're trying to sing. Yeah, that was driving me crazy towards the end of the game too. Just hearing that, ah, oh, every <laughs> single time they would move or make a sound. Um, I, I, I mean, needless to say, the music in this game is excellent, but the sound design, some of those creatures just having to hear the screaming or the squishing every single time they would get into a fight just grated on my nerves. It could get bad about that sometimes, but yeah, this is following in the footsteps of Luminous Arc, which, well, the first game I thought was okay, but like the second and third games have very good music. Uh, and uh, unfortunately, maybe, I guess it's because this was also um, Image Epoch's last game. Uh, their swan song, so to speak. So it never got an official soundtrack, which is very sad. That is sad, because it, w- it was a good soundtrack. Um, mm-hmm. I I liked all of the witches' songs. I definitely liked the battle theme. Um, I, I can't remember any of the battle themes right now, but I cited a lot of good battle themes, especially in the later part of the game. Yeah, the later part. And, and even like uh, early on in Amatsu, it gets a unique uh, you know, Japanese music sounding attack theme which is pretty cool and just the songs by themselves are kind of impressive for being on the 3ds you don't usually hear big songs with vocals on 3ds or at least i don't i'm playing the wrong stuff well i mean i, I mean i think i could probably dig up more but that's aside the point <laughs> but it is really but yes it is really good sound it's definitely one i play with head i played with headphones on uh my personal favorites i think my favorite out of them might, might have been Le, is, is uh, lizette's levia personally although sakuya scenes are pretty good too Mm. So yeah, did we, did we forget anything with the battling or the um, game gameplay overall? I think um, we covered it all. Yeah, I think so. Um, but yeah, it was it was definitely a fun game. I I imagine that you gave it a favor, favorable favorable review, Mike. Mike flew away. <laughs> yes, you did. You flew away. Uh, well, let's uh. Mm, let's see here. Stella Glow. Stella Glow RP Gamer Review. Sorry for the typing sounds. I have a very loud keyboard. Uh, it's uh, S-T-E-L-L-A. All right. Huh. That's a little bit harder to find on our site than I thought. Hmm. I think it would be on the old site. But this is, yeah, at least, it, this is easily, I find, the best of the uh, uh, I found it. I found it. Yeah, yeah. So this is my Mike Minky. No, I'm not going to try. Well, he said, Mr. Minky says uh, that it has, I, I could do, I could do Michael Minky, Minky channeling Donald Trump. I could do that. Why would you want to do that? <laughs> That's a little too fresh right now. Just do regular Mike Minky. That, that's where I just yell and scream into the microphone. Uh, no, do you want to tell us what you thought of uh, Stella Go there, Mike? And well, I've hinted, at it, I've hinted at it a couple of times, but 
in my review, I cited that the idea of a world in which only the witches can sing and no other, no one else can, should have gotten a little more explanation because that's that's an interesting concept and they don't really go into it as much as they could have. But I liked all of the characters. I found the combat engrossing, even though, as I stated, it took me several hours to beat the final boss because I just had Lizette on endless healing song loop while I waited for the final boss's MP to run out very slowly. And for me, it was uh, the best Image Epoch game that I've played, which, I mean, I didn't play Luminous Arc 3. Maybe that was, in fact, the amazing one that, of course, never came over. It wasn't... It, yeah. it wasn't uh, a stunner for me, but you know that that could have also been the place I was at my life at the time. And I definitely enjoyed playing it. I found the combat very interesting and engrossing for the most part. I cited that it does it does a good job of varying the types of battles that, so that it doesn't get to feel too samey. And yeah, I I mean I I could just read my old review, but why would I why would I do that when it's there for you to read? Yeah, um, that first I I think personally. I, I guess it's the second of the luminous of the luminous arc of what's well, the best luminous arc ish game uh, since it's the spiritual successor to that series. Although my favorite image of game is still Arc Rise Fantasia, which uh, I have not played, so I can't speak yeah. to it. Well, uh, it's kind of unless you have a Wii or I guess a Wii U and a copy of the game, there really is no getting that. Oh, and but I, for I forgot this. What the heck was with? Alto's animation of stabbing a, a dagger into the neck of everybody in order uh, to tune them. That's apparently where the qualia is located, is, is the closest thing I can explain, I guess. In the neck. That magic dagger, they're fine. Yeah, it's a magic dagger because the magic rock is right there. So the way to tune it is to stab it with the magic dagger, which is called a song stone for a reason. I was more weirded out that every time you um, went into their psyche, the animation played where they were both naked, and then the girl would, like, fall on Alto's hand, but, like, stop just before it, and then he would, like, grab a ball that would come out of them, and that was their qualia. Yeah, that was their qualia. I mean, you could probably use your imagination what that's supposed to be a representation of, but, (laughs) I mean, the first, Lumis Arc 2 had the the marriage uh, homage, so (laughs) this is just a slightly different direction. So... It sounds like you all liked it. Sounds like everyone had a good time. I did did like it. Here's the question. Is it worth $9.99? Oh, that's a steal at that price. So you talk get very much digital. I pay pay more than that for lunch sometimes, which may not say much of anything, but it's true. So you can get this right now. I don't know if we're going to get this. We're going to get this headed and posted that fast. But at the moment, it's on sale on the eShop. For $9.99. Uh, its normal price on the eShop is $19.99. Is it worth $19.99? Oh, Very yeah, much. Sure. Very okay. much. Yeah. All right. Uh, the, the, new, the new one, I see, uh, if you want it, like the new physical copy uh, in the box with, oh, my goodness gracious, I don't think I'm going to show the wife the back of this box. Anyways. Uh, that is going for $44.99, and, uh, is, uh, you know, s- Amazon doesn't forget anything. It's got this big banner on the top that says, you last purchased this item on October 15, 2016. Would you like to purchase another one? Is it worth it at $44.99? I mean, it's the only way you can get, like, a CD that has some of the songs on yeah. it. There's, so, it depends no on how official, bad. There's no official OSC release, so that's the cool thing to get. Um, bear in mind, this is also a late 3D, uh, 
3DS release. I think it came out like well, it's at least two years ago. End of 2015. Um, yes. Yeah. So it's probably going to get snapped up pretty fast. Yeah. Now the 3DS is out of production. Yeah. Um. I mean, it's an, Atlas, it's an Atlas published game too. So there's yeah. that. I mean, the only reason why it took me so long to finish this one wasn't because it was a bad game, but it was because like there were so many good games coming out when this this game was out that I just couldn't find time to play through it all. And then this year, I finally was like, okay, I'm gonna finish this game because we need to talk about it on backtrack and i did and i certainly enjoyed my time with it i i think i put around 60 hours um trying to finish it because i i thought that those last chapters were going to be a breeze and then when they weren't i uh had to spend it on you yeah last chapters are the roughest (laughs) yeah so 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 in looking at this uh, at this amazon listing it mentions and forgive me if you guys talked about this i had to step away a number of times as you know uh, but it says uh, Stella Globe will have 40 to 60 hour or uh, 40 to 60 hours of story and side quest content with multiple endings, new game plus mode, and more than 50 maps to battle on. So did did any all do the new game plus mode? No. Yes, that's well, I, yeah, that's how you get the good ending is to the new game plus. Uh, I, I briefly I heard something about new. I did you hear you mentioned something about the good ending? So you did talk about the new game plus mode? Yeah. Yeah. Briefly. yeah. Okay. okay. Cool. You don't need to repeat it. Yeah, just want to make sure it got covered for our listeners if anyone had played through it. Uh, okay, so we talked about the 4499, but we know that our listeners demand the best. I mean, why, why just settle for a brand new copy that you can get off of Amazon for 4499 when there's something clearly better out there? I am talking about the launch edition, the rare launch edition, practically brand new, practically cheap. For only one hundred and fifty dollars. Yeah, no. So whoever's got that listing up is gouging. Plus five dollars and forty cents standard shipping from Phoenix, Arizona. So standard shipping, not even priority. Nah, nah. You're not paying for a priority. So if you really want that cloth Hilda uh, poster, poster, which I still have in the box because I'm, I'm not going to put that up. No, I, I figured this like, actually, okay, I remember a ran- yeah, I remember this random funny event now from during the story where Hilda joins the party and is kind of stunned that everybody doesn't mind being her friend despite all the terrible things she's done. Uh, she is talking with Lizette and Lizette's mother Rosa, and Rosa says, "Yes, maybe I'll make onesies for all of you." And then Hilda's like, "Me? Wear a onesie?" <laughs> just just a random thought, just a thing about her outfit because it's uh, it's missing. She's missing most of it. I, I just found it funny that the the girl that got the cloth poster had the flattest chest, but the least clothing showing of them all. <laughs> yeah, I, I still argue it's Nonica, but <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, th- there's no shortage of uh, cleavage in this game for sure. Yeah, she seems to be Hilda seems to be like a parallel to Luminous Arc 2's Fatima, but like she's also like a sort of like a dark like a quote unquote dark witch, but it's like she's opposite. Like one is like one is flat chested, one's bubble breasted, one's voiced by Wendy Lee, the other's voiced by Michelle Ruff. Yeah, mm. but hey, if, if big boobed anime witches are your thing, this is your game. There you go. Alrighty. Well, I'm all about the busty witches, uh, but we we know do... that Phil because of your your reaction to the attire that we have shared with you thus far. It's just so enthralled. I just don't understand. Dan, but uh, uh. anyways, uh, yeah, yeah, well, hmm. 
We, we got more of that coming up. But first, before we talk about that, we're going to take a break. And we do have a CRPG Club segment. So hold on tight. And we'll be right back. This is the CRPG Club segment uh, where we're going to talk about some uh, computer RPGs from the way back when. So we've had a bit of revitalization of our CRPG Club. Uh, If you hang out with us in Discord, we have a channel set up dedicated uh, to the CRPG Club. Uh, And first, let me clarify, CRPG standing for Computer Role-Playing Games. Uh, I've had some people get a little confused by that. I think maybe stands for Classic. And indeed, we do really like to talk about Classic uh, Computer RPGs. So maybe you can think of it as CCRPG Club. That's fine. Uh, Classic Computer Role-Playing Games is what we really kind of focus on. Uh, And a few months ago, some of the, uh, the guys and I that are hanging out on that channel worked together on creating a list of 100 top RPGs of all time that are on the computer. We ended up with 125. We just couldn't make some uh, <laughs> some critical decisions. So the list is actually now 125. Uh, and uh, and so we're, we're working through that list. And if you join us in the CRPG Club, happy to provide you uh, with that entire list. The first few games on our list include Freedom Force, Champions of Kryn, from the Gold Box days, Ease, the Oath and Felgana, and Din's Curse. Uh, and, and we focused on playing those for the last few months. Uh, and we kind of divide these games up into quartets that we're playing through one uh, that we're playing through each quarter. Well, this is a schedule that's set in mud. There's no fast rules. I have people ask me all the time uh, if I join the club, do I have to play certain games? And da, da, da. no, just come hang out, talk with us about your favorite computer RPGs. If you join us where we're at on our list, you can be a game ahead, a game behind. We'll get there eventually, but you'll find people hanging out there to talk. Think of it like a book club. That's what I envision this. It's a book club of players that are working through some of the best computer role-playing games 
of all time, and then discussing it on our Discord server. Of course, even if you're not on Discord, you can always play these games, uh, listen to me talk about it on the podcast, and uh, and always feel free to, to leave comments on our latest podcast thread over at rpgamer.com, or shoot me off a message on Twitter, and I'll be happy to read your, your comments on here. And in some of the, the future games that I'm doing, uh, I've actually asked some of the Discord members to write some of their thoughts down, and I'll be reading those in future segments. For now, uh, I'm just going to share some thoughts on a couple of the uh, first few games on our list uh, from, uh, from the CRPG Club. And that first one that I got on the docket is Freedom Force. Freedom Force uh, was originally released on January 9th, 2002. If you listen to every single one of our podcasts, I'm sure I've talked about this game a few times. Freedom Force is a -a one-of-a-kind tactical RPG. They just just don't make them like this anymore. It's, uh, so uh, first off, it's it's a real-time tactical RPG experience that is set in the, I wanna say it's the the gold age of comics, maybe the silver age. I get a little confused on my ages, but the whole point is it's about like the 1970s comics that I remember reading way back in the day. And you've got, uh, you've got, uh, you know, a bunch of superheroes that are protecting Patriot City from the commies. You got this uh, giant robot guy who pretty much is Iron Man. You know, you got these basic knockoffs of Marvel and DC superheroes uh, that come together to form the Freedom Force uh, to, to, to save the country. So it's really corny, but it's meant to be that way. The spirit of the writing and the voice acting and the artwork looks like it was lifted right from the 1960s, 1970s of comics. It is impeccable how well uh, they, they caught the spirit of the comic books of that age. The fonts, the, the style, the colors, everything that you'd expect to see in a 1960s comic book is is right there and it's just so so well done uh the gameplay itself uh is very is also very well done i mean uh, it doesn't matter if the style is great and the the writing is good if the the game isn't fun you got a real-time pause and play tactical rpg hit the space bar if you need to pause at any point in time otherwise people just kind of slowly do what they're supposed to do and you can speed up and slow it down um and you start off i think as I forget his name. It's like Captain Patriot or whatever have you. He's basically this this game's version of Captain America. Uh, he's got a big staff instead of a shield, but he pretty much does the same thing. He, he's got some super strength and durability, and he goes up and whacks uh, bad guys. And every time you whack them, there are these comic book effects. Pow, examine the numbers are in little boxes. It's just so well done. Um, but you right-click on an enemy. You pick what kind of skill you want to use. Some of it requires energy that recharges over time. Um, you got some defensive moves, and and you got to work your way through the scenario. They mix. Uh, once you get to the end of a scenario, you get some uh, CP, XP, whatever the hell it's called, and you can delegate this to various characters on your roster to help level up their attacks or even unlock new attacks. Uh, and because you have some superheroes who are more durable, some superheroes who are stronger, which, by the way, the strong superheroes can actually tear up pieces of the city, like a lamppost, and whack enemies with it, which is not only satisfying, 
but highly effective uh, when you're outnumbered. Just whack three bad guys in a row with, with one swing of a light pole. It's great. It's very satisfying. Um, but you also have uh, you have flying characters, uh, weaker characters that are more prone to doing damage. You have crowd control characters. So it really does feel like a true team-based RPG experience. Uh, the battles are pretty challenging and they're varied. There's some battles where you need to defend somebody or you need to be a little bit more stealthy. Uh, you'll need to talk to NPCs to figure out what to do next in any given scenario. Uh, and, and sometimes you'll get to choose which teamers you take so you can balance the party the way you want. Now, when I played this back in the day, one of the really cool things I really got into was the fact that it allowed you to go in and mess with some of the files. So you can essentially, if you are good with a graphic editor and, and, and the such, you can make your own character. Uh, so I, I did that with, with one of my characters that I drew when I was younger, and it worked really great. I, it was just so exciting to play one of my childhood superheroes inside of Freedom Force. And, and really, if you're creative, you could recreate any Marvel or DC uh, hero that you wanted to. Uh, it's really fun. It, it, it's highly recommended. They just such, such a great job. The big drawback, you know, a lot of times we talk about with the CRPG Club, I often say that, you know, we're here to show the world that the computer is the best console for playing uh, retro RPGs, right? Uh, if, you're, if you're new to the RPG scene and you were dying to jump into classic role-playing games from the way back when, if you're a console player, you got the chore ahead of you because you got to collect systems, track down discs. Uh, the hardware is giving out. You got to repair and replace and clean up. And then some of these games and these discs get very, very expensive. On the computer, uh, you just got to buy a gaming computer, which admittedly can be pretty expensive. But if you're mostly into retro RPGs, you actually could buy a pretty cheap laptop. Most of these games that are on our list do not require anything close to a modern graphics card, including Freedom Force. Um, and with Steam and uh, GOG, uh, Epic Games, these platforms that you can buy uh, that that have these older games, especially uh, GOG, uh, you can buy those games on the cheap, and you can get games from 30 years ago, 40 years ago, like the Gold Box games in Ultima, and they work just fine. We have a younger member over at the CRPG Club, and he's just buying up these games uh, and playing through them for the first time. Uh, and it's it's just very exciting and and he, he can do it on a basic laptop he doesn't have a great laptop he does it on a basic laptop and 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 he's really you know enjoying that very much so it's it's that's the argument uh for the most part uh and unlike let's say the playstation 5 which may or may not be backwards compatible with playstation 3 games and blah blah blah, blah with the playstation with the pc it's generally backwards compatible generally Unfortunately, with some of the newer, you know, new version of Windows and some of these older games, you do end up with some some problems, and that's where Steam and GOG usually do, and the communities sometimes will do a generally pretty good job of patching these things up so they'll work in your modern operating systems. Freedom Force does fall into that ball of wax, though. That uh, you know, if it's a really old game, it usually works just well through DOSBox, which GOG sets up for you. If it's a newer game, anything from 2010 forward, that's not a problem. But you got like this dead zone in the early 2000s. Uh, games made for like Windows 95, 98, Windows 2000 that don't play well with Windows 10. And some of those have been patched up really well. They work just fine. And others like Freedom 4s are a bit hiccupy. Um, 
I, I did run into some problems. I had to reload, save games, exit out, go back in to make the mission clear. At one point, it happened very early on uh, in my replay. Uh, I get to the mission end screen and there's no continue button. So I'm at the mission end screen and I can't, I can't, I can't move on. The, my only choice really is to force close the game, uh, which isn't that easy. And then when I reloaded it back up, I had to load up a save game mid-mission, finish off a mission again, which I saved for a few minutes, so that wasn't a big deal. That's one of the nice things is you can save mid-mission whenever you want, so there's not too many reasons to get too frustrated. But sure enough, uh, you know, once I did that, then I could get through that mission. Uh, so you will have to do some workarounds and do a little bit of work on this. But if you got the, the time, it's it's very inexpensive. That's the other cool thing about, you know, retro gaming on the PC. It's a hell of a lot cheaper for the most part than it is on the consoles. Uh, you can get this game, I think. It's normally 10 bucks on GOG, and you can get it on sale for less than that on one of the uh, GOG sales. It's also on Steam. Um, I'd probably go with the GOG version because I don't like, the, you know, the DRM if I can avoid it. And it's a little bit easier to community patch up and all that other fun jazz. So uh, yeah, I would definitely I would definitely recommend it. And its sequel, uh, Freedom Force and the Third Reich, is also on our list. So we'll be giving that another spin. But I really enjoyed revisiting this title. Uh, and uh, and if you can work your way around the, the the bugs or whatever the compatibility issues, you can have a lot of fun with this. The next game I had on the old docket is Ease the Oath in Felgana, an action role-playing game developed by Nihon Falcom, and uh, this was published uh, by Xseed Games. Uh, it's essentially an enhanced remake of the third game in the series, uh, Ease 3 Wanderers from Ease, uh, and it was first released in Microsoft Windows in Japan in July 2005 with an English localization by Xseed Games in March 2012, according to our good friends over at Wikipedia. We also got a PSP uh, version of it. But yes, you can play this on your computer, and I play this through GOG. I have all these games pretty much through GOG, and it, it works really, really good. I will say I was very impressed with the port, uh, how well it's done. Uh, it had full has full Xbox controller support, and being more of an action RPG uh, where you're running around doing combos and the such, it's very nice uh, to have uh, controller support in this. I don't think I'd want to try to play this with the keyboard, uh, you know, and the such. But uh, uh, in this one, you're playing uh, you're playing Adol and his friend Doji. Uh, and you're headed over to Doji's hometown in Felgana three years after the events of the first two games, which I have played those before. I talked about those and what I thought about those earlier. Uh, but upon arriving, uh, they find out that there's some bad things going on. It's threatening the people. It's up to Adol to put a stop to it uh, and the such. So nothing too revolutionary or deep, but it is, is an early you know, RPG that's just been remastered. Um... So, uh, yeah, you have a, uh, the, the highlight of this game really for me isn't the story, uh, but rather the gameplay. So uh, it's an action RPG with a combo system. In the first couple of games, you have this bump and move system, right? You just run into the enemies and you bump against them and you do damage. And if you hit them at the right angle with this game, it's more of a traditional uh, hit the button to swing your sword. You got a couple of magic attacks as well. And you'll you'll beat up those uh, those enemies. It is very kinetic. It is very feels very satisfying 
to just run around. You got a jump button as well. Run around, jump, and beat up enemies. I really enjoy uh, grinding in this game because it's just fun just to sit down, go around, and beat the, the crapolian enemies. Like the early games, those levels are very important uh, as you gain a level. You'll gain several points of attack and defense. You can also upgrade your armor and weapons to do so. Uh, the upgrades are somewhat limited compared to more modern RPGs uh, and a little on the expensive side. So uh, definitely, if you're having problems with the boss, you want to go back and you want to grind up uh, some levels. So run around, beat up some enemies, go back to save point and save. Uh, and you'll, if you're like me and you're not super great at dodging, you're going to want to do that a lot uh, because the bosses and even just some of the later enemies in the game are are very tough. Uh, and, and if you're not paying attention, you, you can be down on health quite quickly. Um, beating bosses, uh, definitely it helps to memorize their patterns or figure them out and get good at dodging them and, and rolling in counterattacks. Uh, and if you're not patient, you can become frustrated rather quickly. But leveling also helps a ton. Uh, certain enemies I fought, uh, they could kill me in just, let's say, three or four hits. Um, and in a long boss battle, that's not very many. But go out and grind some and get some levels and come back. And not only can I take quite a number more hits, but I'm dealing significantly more damage with just a couple of levels. And, uh, and that can make the battle go a lot faster and make that a lot uh, more survivable. So again, grinding is kind of the, the, the name of the game there. There's also kind of a cool system in place that as you kill enemies, there's, a, there's different combo meters at the bottom. Uh, but my favorite one is the XP one, as long as you just keep killing enemies in a row and, and keep that chain going and, and don't let it reset. Uh, then you can you can get double the normal XP, which will help you grind faster. Which added kind of like a a mini game and urgency just to the simple act of of grinding. So it's very uh, that was also very very well done. There's some jumping in there. Uh, this is side scrolling up and down type of deal. So you're going to get into some of those dungeons uh, in dark areas where you need to uh, jump on platforms and, and get to get from point A and point B. And it's isometric, so some of that jumping can be a little wonky. It's definitely not the game's uh, strong suit. The graphics are, are really well done. They're, they're obviously up uh, to work on the PC, uh, but the port was done really, really well. A lot of the 2D sprites for the characters when they're talking, I don't know if they're remastered from the originals, but dang, they're, 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 they're very they're decently rezzed, uh, very spot on. I love the art style in this game. Uh, and the music is just phenomenal. It's, it's a rock and roll background soundtrack that really gets the blood pumping while you're fighting and and it, it's 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 very thrilling uh and the such uh the, just like the uh, earlier ease games the bosses are uh tough uh, as i just mentioned before and grinding can help but but there's definitely mechanics and stuff and you know if you're not really a pro at action uh games you might want to watch some YouTube videos if you hit a couple of, of brick walls. It might be a, a downer for, for some people uh, and the such. But that aside, I, I just think every other piece of this is done really well. There's a lot of options, too. Now, there is, uh, in the GOG version, you can go into the installation options or the, the game options from within the client, uh, the GOG Galaxy client. Pretty Girl from the game pops up, which is really neat to see that pop up next to your uh, menu. And you got a lot of different options in the game for your graphics and everything. It's a really a nice touch. Like I said, this is this is one of the best ports. Uh, the, the 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 control is really well, is really good. 
there are a few questionable choices, like to pull up inventory. I think I had to uh, right click or just click, I should say, the right three joystick, which is basically the, the, the analog joystick. Uh, that is, you know, you got like 18 different buttons on a standard Xbox controller. You think they could have figured out a better button for, you know, getting into your to your menu, but you get used to it uh, and, and, and you move forward with it. But uh, it's definitely a really, really good port and definitely a game I could recommend. I can see why it's on our list. Ease the Oath and Felgana. Again, one of those games you get on GOG for like 10 bucks and even cheaper on sale. And part of the well-loved uh, Ease franchise. So you can you can definitely check that and see if that's for you. So that's it for our CRPG club uh, for this episode of the RPG Backtrack. Uh, next episode or two, we'll have another round and we'll be talking about Den's Curse uh, and possibly Champions of Kren. We'll see. Uh, but we'd love to hear your thoughts. Come and join us uh, right now. Aside from those four games, you're more than welcome. You come in, you can play those games and talk about them. And, and most of us have played uh, some or all of those games, so we'll be happy to carry on a conversation about it. You can also talk to us about our new games, our quarter four 2020 games, which include Lords of Zulima, uh, Ultima uh, 4, Quest of the Avatar, Might Magic 10 Legacy, and Tyranny. So quite a variety of games to end off 2020 with we'd love to have you as part of the group head over to rpgamer.com click on the community tab go down to discord join us at discord and then find the crpg club channel and uh and hit me up uh and i'll give you uh more information about the club uh and and how you can participate but we'd love to have you on board well that's it for this segment i'm gonna ask you to listen to some more wonderful music and we'll be right back to wrap this up with the final lap.
This is the final lap where we just read your comments, do all kinds of kitchen sink stuff, uh, tell you what's going on on our website. Because, you know, I mean, tonight's theme is all about the busty wishes. So I couldn't help but I went to pull up the, the show notes today. And the very first thing I pull up, the banner that comes right up at the top, only at RP Gamer, exclusively at RPGamer.com, will you find a banner right at the front that says, you know, Moro Crystal H video review video, because we want to make sure you you see all of this uh, that this game has to offer. Who's played Moro? Any of the Moro uh, um, games? And Anna did, and her commentary on that. Um, while she was playing it on our Discord parties on Friday nights was hilarious because she was describing characters and apparently she got a very busty unicorn girl in her party and the unicorn the description on the unicorn girl said something like special abilities can break a carrot with her butt ah yes it leaves little to the imagination and jokes about carrots just flew in Discord that entire weekend, and it was amazing. <laughs> you guys can join us in Discord. Uh, we do have a Discord server. Up. Head over to rpgamer.com, click on Community, and you will see the uh, the little linky there for the Discord uh, page where you can learn more and join us. We're often hanging out there, especially on Fridays and Saturday nights. Uh, doing voice chat and we're text checking all throughout the day totally not while we're at work or anything other stuff that we should probably be focused on um but feel free to come and chit chat with us about your favorite games over at rp gamers discord server uh we have comments we do we do we do because uh, we recorded a show a couple of months about a month ago i guess a month and a half two months ago whatever about a about one of my favorite favorite games a little series called grandia right we and extreme extreme and, <laughs> extreme! and it seems extreme. that something went wrong in our uh not, not the recording of the show itself but the capturing of it right phil actually uh yeah dog party said i uh, somehow mr grandia 2 gets skipped uh yeah no we we, we somehow skipped uh, well we did skip it we talked about it we spent an hour probably talking about it mm-hmm. but uh but unfortunately by the time someone had caught it it had been over 30 days we used skype to record and they only save things in the cloud for 30 days and it appeared that i did not actually pull it out of the cloud I couldn't find it on my hard drive, so I wasn't able to go back and edit it back in. So you're going to have to use your imagination for that. Uh, but know that because we didn't really want to go back into it. We've all been incredibly busy. But um, just know, just know, you, you it was a good game. It's all good. It's all good. I can give you a one-sentence summation, which is it's still fun. You will still get people watching you if you say, hey, I'm about to beat up the Pope in this game. I just know that um, Melfus smells because that's what that one lion dude said constantly was, oh my god, the smell. And it'd be like, don't don't go to Taco Night, lion guy. You're not going to like it. So, yeah, thank y'all for, for pointing that out. Uh, I will say, if you if you are listening to all of our recordings and you, and you want to reach out, uh, especially if you notice, uh, if you happen to be one of those people who notices something that big missing, and you just want to say, "Hey, Phil, is, is this is this okay? Is this you know?" Feel free to give me a holler on Twitter at JC Servant forum because, admittedly, I don't know why I just never check the comments on the 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 podcast threads until we're about to record the next show. So, um, whereas if you hit me up on Twitter, I'll probably see it within 
24 to 48 hours because uh, it pops up on my phone. So I've been so busy lately. I just I don't really do a great job of keeping on top of any social media, to be honest. But if somebody ats me on Twitter, it pops up on my phone. So I usually catch it. Uh, no Name had a comment. He said, yes, thank you for thank you for ending the episode with the J G3 pop theme. It's totally one up the F13 pop theme, which uh, it obviously made to counter. No, really great song. Intro to Wild Arms 3 is great. And recently I've grown to like Final Fantasy Brave Exodus Ariana Grande collab really helps that uh, I was submitted to it by playing the game a ton, but I was touching it all day. Love the pun. Wanted to say the most two annoying English voices in Grandia were done by Scott Beers. I don't know why I remember that name. I don't either. (laughs) Can't help you out with that, but we all know that the best pop theme song in any RPG is, What can I do for you? I legit love that song, and I will not I, apologize. I can't hear you. You particularly yeah. love Phil's rendition of it, right, Kelly? No, I like the original version of it. What? what? It's in my husband's playlist. It comes up all the time, and every time it comes up, I just have to dance or pick up the cat and make it dance. And usually the cat gets mad. <laughs> I imagine, yes, cats tend not to be very enthusiastic if you try to force them to do something. Well, well, rather, it's not that he gets mad. He just gives me this look like, ugh, must you? You know, the answer is, of course, yes. Speaking uh, of uh, real emotion, Spear Ombrace hit me up in our Discord, and we have a channel just for for music, and uh, he found a, uh, a, it looks like a, whatever you call it, a remix or whatever, done featuring Adriana Figueroa? Fig, Fig, I, I can't pronounce names. We all know this. But anyways, uh, but he linked that. I can't wait to listen to it. I haven't had a chance to listen to it yet. Uh, but again, that's why we're all hanging out in Discord. You should come hang out with us because we, we talk shop all day long and we share really cool and interesting things with each other from our favorite RPGs uh, and whatnot. And, and totally slightly, only slightly provisionally related uh, I, I listen to a lot of video game music on YouTube while I'm at work, and sometimes those recommended links will give you some interesting things that's outside your normal playlist. And one of them is a song called Starlight Brigade. Starlight Brigade. Uh, and uh, if you go and in, go into YouTube and look that up, it says TR. Uh, you'll know you have the right one because it's the Starlight Brigade featuring Dan uh, Avedon. Uh, official video. This song is really awesome. Just rock and roll, 1980s cartoon music type of awesome. And has some of the best anime I've ever seen. I thought this had to be a real show. It's not. These, these people just made up this music video that makes it look like it's a 1980s cartoon or cartoon movie theme song. And it's not. So I highly recommend you go and check that one out. Just a little plug for me. Don't know the guy. But uh, I want to go buy the CD somewhere because it's that good. Anywho, uh, but yes, uh, head over to our gamer, which is horrible. Never do that. Uh, head over to our and all kinds of other fun stuff. Other. <laughs> oh, wait, do we ever talk about what Mortal Crystal? <laughs> wait, we got off track. Did we ever talk about Mortal Crystal, what, it, what that really is? Um, It's like a dungeon crawler, but a kind of a pervy dungeon crawler. Something like you would have found on the Vita, but now that's a Switch thing. 
So, so yes, and Anna, Anna well, we generally recommend these games. I know because I love dungeon crawlers. Uh, I, you know, we, we've talked about Etrian Odyssey and a lot of those, uh, you know, Persona Q, uh, the three DS ones. But I was looking for something to take on my Switch, and I had asked uh, Mrs. Privateer about her recommendations for Switch DRPGs, and that one, one of the the earlier ones, came up. And so I downloaded it and played it while I was on this trip uh, in Indonesia. My wife walks in and she's like, what the hell are you playing? And I'm like, I'm playing it for the dungeon crawling. It's for the dungeon. It's like a guy who got caught with the Playboy magazine. He's like, I do. I read it for the articles. Right. It was like, sure. Yeah, that's exactly what she said. She said, (laughs) sure. She said, you're a perv. And I'm like, no, I'm telling you, Anna, she recommended it. You know, she's a lady, so it must be okay. Yeah, no, it 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 did no did not win uh but yeah no we have all kinds of uh great news articles there for you to read if you're a fan of rpgs uh written by people who love rpgs including a review of final fantasy crystal chronicles and 13 sentinels agus rim or aegis rim mortal shell and many many more so check it out over at rpgamer.com it is time for our round table where our panel gets to discuss what What's tickling their fancy lately? What are they doing? We're going to start off with Miss Ramos. Uh, okay. I mean, not terribly much either I mean, on the RP gamer front or the regular gaming front. Uh, there's some uh, some special features coming up. Uh, look forward to it, I guess. I can't say too much. Although, I guess one of them is pretty closely related to the game we just talked about. And uh, okay. And as for... Gaming-wise, I mean, other than playing a little bit of Stella Glow to try to refresh my memory onto things, I just finally finished, uh, like a like several weeks back, a couple of weeks back, the first Tales game that is not related to Acelia, which is the world of Tales of Symphonia and Tales of Fantasia. I finally beat Tales of the Abyss on the 3DS. I feel weirdly accomplished because for some reason, I love those. I love the Symphonia. I love Symphonia. I love Dawn of the New World. I'm pretty sure I like the rest of this series, but I just had yet to get around to it. Maybe I'll finally get to the others someday. <laughs> I have Vesperia sitting on my shelf. I'll get to that, I think. Avoid um, Zestria. That one was boring. Okay, I'll do that then. Uh, Berseria, I, which is like a sort of a prequel, was amazing. What I heard, yeah. Okay, and you don't have to play, I assume? I mean, it's a prequel, is it not? Yeah, no, like, they're, they're completely independent. I mean, there's, like, some crossover with names and stuff, but that's about it. Okay, but, but yeah, so, finally beat that, and then I was hoping to put more time into Crystal Chronicles, but the multiplayer on that is such a disaster, I kind of don't want to. Like, I, I love that game, I love that music, but come on, Square, why? Is the single player any good in that? I mean, the, the single player is okay, but it's a it's it's more fun with the group. I, I played the original GameCube game GameCube game entirely with my sister, so there's all that interaction there. But I was looking forward to this because just like finally could show up, like play with other people online. And for some reason they made that a chore. Because I had played the original game pretty much by myself with my little Moogle bucket thing, and I I enjoyed what I played. But I was looking forward to doing multiplayer, and when I heard that it was crap, it's like nope, not even gonna bother. Nah, I, I bought it anyway, just because I, I do really like the game that much, but uh, still a disappointment. Maybe I'll put more time to it. I'm not completely sure. But yeah, that's all that's been recent with me. Alrighty. Hmm. How about, how about, how about Mrs. Kelly? 
Well, since you did bring it up earlier, I have been playing 13 Sentinels Aegis Rim, and I have not been able to put that game down. Oh my gosh, it looks so good. I got the box. So Ew, I, you gotta get this Vanillaware. I like I love Vanillaware. So I bought it. It I probably did read anyone's review. I just bought it. Yeah. So I I it, it's funny because I normally don't dig visual novels. I've gotta I've gotta have a little bit of action in my games because and and it's it, it's hard to explain it because like if I'm gonna sit down and play a game, I want to play a game, and if I want to sit down and read a book, I want to read a book, and none, none the two shall meet. But I've been actually enjoying the visual novel bit of this game a lot more than the battling, which is interesting because the battling is also really fun. But so you're playing as 13 different characters and you're going through their stories and it's nonlinear storytelling. So there's like time travel and jumping around different points in time with characters. So you see stuff from different perspectives and at different time periods. And um, they do have like one cohesive timeline that you're supposed to read in order, but you're like unlocking stuff as you go. And as you're playing through the characters chapters, there are branching paths. So you go through the chapter once um, you, you get all these keywords to use and I, items and stuff. To use. And then you go through the, the character's kind of story again and you see where the branches are and what kind of keywords and stuff you can use to help discover the branching paths. And I have been obsessed with trying to find as many branching paths as I can before they lock the character off. Because with each character, once you hit a certain point, the, it'll lock it and say, you can't do any more in this character until you do so many battles. Or you watch this scene on this character. Or um, you unlock so many mystery files, which you unlock by battling. And it's just been like a book that I have not been able to put down. Nice. And then you get into the battling part of it, which, I mean, I honestly would, could have thought that this game didn't even need the battling, but then the battling makes it fun, even more fun. Because if you if anybody has ever played Into the Breach, it's kind of like that where you've got these mechs and you're on a city map and you're defending a tower. And the idea is that this tower is going online to um, blow away all the kaiju that are attacking, but you need to defend the tower while it's going online, and you have, you know, you're kind of all-rounded units, and then units that can only attack on the ground, and units that can only attack the air, and you've got your 13 characters that you play as, but you can only have six of them in a battle at any given time, and you can't rely on the same characters every time, because the more the more they fight, the more they um, have damage to their brain and they need to recover while they're in the giant robots. And there's points that you can obtain for trying to get through as many battles as you can without doing the brain recovery. And the battles themselves are just so strategic. Like, I actually feel like I'm fighting a war. And it's like, okay, I've got this sentinel and there's an aerial, aerial attack incoming. So I need to fire missiles to combat the aerial attack. Or there's this like huge kaiju that's like coming near the tower. So I need to have the melee unit get in there with um, the leap attack where he just basically like leaps into action and does like a huge AoE to damage all the ground kaiju. And the whole game has just been so satisfying. And combine that with Vanillaware's just awesome art style. The, the 2D art, the hype, the beautifully painted 
backgrounds and beautifully painted characters. Um, the fact that they have the, these giant uh, robots that are animated. Um, the only sucky thing is that on the map, map themselves, um, the it's hard to explain. It's it's like the robots and stuff are kind of represented by symbols and not necessarily the robots themselves, which which is kind of disappointing. But there's also a lot going on in those maps too. Okay, so I understand why they kind of wanted to downplay that a little bit. But the the rest of the graphics and stuff more than makes up for it in the game. And then you've got like subtle references to pop culture, like um, it, it actually brings up the movie EXT. And it talks about a kid that finds an alien. And then you unlock the mystery file for that. And it's like as close to the E.T. poster as you can get without being sued. (laughs) I mean, I've seen that parodied often. So I think at this point, they just let it go. (laughs) And that's referenced because there's a character whose story is basically E.T. And her thing is that she's really into alien. Um, There's also a talking kitty cat that you've got to do stuff for. Um, I can't really get into that because of spoilers, but yeah, there, there's talking kitty cat, and it's a, it's a little tuxedo cat that has like the same pissy energy that my little tuxedo cat has. Um, oh, kitties are the best. I'm just hoping that this kitty's not gonna turn out to be a bad guy because his kind of his voice for a second there I thought was voiced by Jeremy Irons. He's kind of got that very sinister. I'm a talking cat, and I need you to do my bidding kind of voice. Mm, but, bad kitty. But I'm I'm hoping I'm hoping that he's not a bad guy. He's not gonna die. But who knows? I mean, th- this game is just you think you know what's going on, and then they pull the rug out from under you, and it's like, oh my god, I can't believe they did that. And I'm not even like halfway through the game. Dead or, kitty. Or the other thing that I've been amazed at, it's like wondering, God, that character is being such a jerk. And then you play another character's story and you find out why that character is being such a jerk. And it's like, okay, you're kind of justified. Um, if, you, if you can't tell, I love nonlinear storytelling because I love just every bit being another piece of the puzzle to be part of the overall story. And I, I love it when it's done well. I was about to game. say, yeah, like it's got to be done well, but if you pull it off, it could be really cool. Oh, Lost. I still love you, even though you were just... (laughs) Well, it sounds really, really cool. Yeah, it's been an amazing game thus far. Everybody I've heard that's talked about it so far has just been blown away by how good it is. Go Vanillaware. Yeah. And and, uh, yeah, that's not even getting to, like, just the unique look of Vanillaware games and how they... I mean, gosh, I just... I played uh, Odin Spear, the PlayStation 4 deal, uh, last year, and it's so pretty. Shows that 2D games definitely still have a place in this world, and and you know, not just pixelated, you know, well core like It's high definition, gorgeous, beautiful. Uh, every time somebody walks into the room, they're like, "What's that?" It just automatically sticks. That's just so well done. I had one thing to complain about this game, and this is a me problem, is that I have trouble remembering the characters' names, but. I have, I can't even remember my own cat's name at the time, so. Mm, that's okay. I'm bad at pronouncing names, so we're more even. It's like, which, which kid are you? Oh, you're the black <laughs> one. Wait, wait, are you the tuxedo black one or the black black one? Okay, I see I have the that, tail. I have that problem with the audiobooks. If the if the reader doesn't use like different voices for all the, I lose track a long time ago. Yeah. Like, yeah, I'm terrible. I, I think it's a side effect of getting old. Mm. Uh, anything else on your docket? 
Um, not really. I'm kind of getting into WoW again, ramping up for the expansion, but that's another can of worms. Very excited myself. We got a new leveling, uh, a new way to experience, you know, as you level up your ults through any expansion that you uh, with the expansion. That's going to be like their roguelike dungeon experience that you can take your high-level character through. Uh, so that that's going to be an interesting deal it looks really good and then you got the covenants that you can join but you can't flip flop back and forth if that's not okay but it's gonna be really cool um i'm i'm personally looking forward to uh just seeing what they what they do with the story because the cinematic trailers that they've released this far have kind of hit me in the feels with some of them mm. I've, I've said on discord and i'm saying here that this is like a make or break expansion for me and that if the if shadowlands doesn't blow my shit away then i'm done with wow Mm-mm-mm. we'll see if they can pull it off i'm with you i'll be right there beside you um because i, I kind of feel very similar let's see what happens at the same time if it does blow my shit away then it'll just add more fuel to my uh my every other expansion is good theory star treks being the good ones and those even ones Mm-mm. yeah Mm-mm. cool anything else nope that's been pretty much it all righty how about you mr minky well, let's see here. I tried a couple more times to play Borderlands 3, this time after looking on YouTube for some guides on how to make the thing work, and it still won't play for me. It must be that damn Denuvo crap. And uh, I tried playing the Castle of Illusion remake on Steam, and that's another one which is giving me technical difficulties. Hooray! But I have also been playing Children of Morta, which is quite enjoyable. I like it. And yes, I partially started playing that because I was looking around and uh, Jim Sterling recommended it last year. You know Jim Sterling, Phil. Oh, yeah. I love Jim. He was right. This is a good game. Mm -hmm. I need to look into it. Him and I share a love for uh, Dynasty Warriors games. Unless it's the bad ones. But I mean, most of them are bad, except for Nine. Nine was a piece of trash. Not to steal too much of uh, Mike's thunder, but I I would like to think that we summoned um, Hyrule Warriors, too. I'm going to oh take full credit gosh. for that. Stop. That's so good. It's going to be so good. Better be. Uh, okay, Children of Morta. I like the fact that you unlock each... There are a total of seven playable characters you eventually get, but you only start with two. And each of them actually plays distinctly. There's one who uses a bow and arrow, move around while firing. There's one who shoots using... has fire magic. There's one guy with a shield. There's one guy who uses kung fu... his mighty kung fu stance. One guy who uses knives... And they each play differently enough that it's a it's kind of fun to take all of them out for a run, especially since they have certain family traits that expand to affect everyone. So it, even though I'm not particularly good at it, and the narrative is very interesting part, I I like the way it's in that there's just a narrator who speaks everything. The characters say a few things in text boxes, but they don't actually speak at all. It's, the narrator does all of the the heavy lifting for the storytelling combat is interesting again i killed a fair amount but even though it's procedurally generated you get to keep all of the money and experience that you get every time you go in so i'm fine with that yeah i believe this is this uh this game would be classified as a rogue light if you're into those things it looks really good and i like the look of it it's a, it's a unique look and 
I even kind of like the sounds. The, the death screams of the enemies are quite interesting. Yeah, it uses uh, it uses pixelated uh, graphics, but they're very, from what I've seen, because I played a little bit of it, it's very well designed. Uh, and there's, there's a lot of people who just use pixelated graphics as a way just to not have to put as much effort into that area, uh, as you can tell. But this game is aesthetic standpoint in particular. Exactly, yeah. I I applaud a lot of things about it. And whenever I get back into review writing mode, I'll, this will be one of those that I have to give a pretty positive review of. Yeah, also, I when think... we do that, uh, I'll be talking about Trails in the Sky the Third, which I was expecting to talk about on Backtrack soon, but good old Joshua Carpenter, he's, he's unable to make it for the next little bit, and he really, really wants to be on that episode, so I guess we have to wait a bit. Yeah, unfortunately, he's been dealing with family stuff right now, and fa- family is number one, but he'll be back. One day. Hopefully it happens while things are still fresh in my mind because my poor suffering brain doesn't always remember as well as it should now. And I played a few Mega Drive classics just to refresh my memory and find that the D-pad on my USB controller is apparently not very good or it's being worn out because uh, yeah, I, I, I will blame the controller. It's not me starting to suck in my old age. No, it's not. It is definitely stupid controller. Um. I'm almost done with Terminator Resistance, which is another one that I found out about thanks to Jerling. And he's right. They, Thank the you, Jim. The developers did their best with what they were given, which it's a licensed Terminator game based on the already forgotten Terminator Dark Fate from last year. But Which, which is a shame because I watched that movie and it was really good for a Terminator. I liked some of it. Really, though, it's hardest... The hardest way to justify it is if you try and fit it into any kind of continuity where, oh, I guess they just did send another Terminator. So there really was no drama when they weren't limited to just sending two Terminators. They could just send another and another until finally one of them won. Yeah, that that part did kind of bug me. But aside from that part, I thought the movie was a lot of fun. And it's, it's funny hearing the Terminator talk about being in the draperies business <laughs> or but that he he is funny and he changes a diaper without with minimal complaint <laughs> yes but it also really doesn't make any sense so yeah, like if, she so she it, never noticed that her husband weighed 900 pounds <laughs> and never slept yeah. <laughs> i never got yeah. tired yeah but also so once they accomplish their missions terminators are just free to wander around and learn i guess so I, I didn't know that. That doesn't it brings seem up like so m- how they, they would work, but... It brings up so many questions. We'll probably never learn the answers to. Uh, yeah, Terminator Resistance. Since it takes place entirely in the future war, it gets to show you some things that you don't actually see much of. Terminator Salvation was... And, yeah, it's a surprisingly good, completely under unpublicized little licensed game that I'm glad I bought because the developer... And I also picked up my 3DS for the first time in a little while and started playing Etrian Odyssey Nexus, because I expect we will have to have another Etrian Odyssey episode one of these days, and I figured I'd better play the last thing, the last Etrian Odyssey on 3DS. Who knows? Is there an Etrian Odyssey planned for the Switch? I don't know. I don't know. I'm dying to find out. It, it would certainly be nice if they would say something. Then I could, you know, have some dungeon crawlers that maybe are a little bit less embarrassing to play in public. <laughs> Oh, you ask for so much. I do. I know. I know. I'm a greedy bastard. 
Yeah, Etrian Odyssey spoiled me. And what else? Oh, I went to see a movie in a theater a couple of weeks ago. Which what? You're allowed to do that? For now, as long as the infection rate stays relatively low. It was a strange experience. There was only one other person in the theater. And, of course, you can't very well shovel popcorn into your mouth while wearing a mask. That's, yeah. That just doesn't you gotta work. Sneak it, you got to sneak it in. No, you can't no, do the no, shovel, but you can do the sneak. No, the theater... It, as as before, encourages you to buy the concessions because that's where the theater makes its money. I know. You got to do the sneak like underneath the mattress, one piece of popcorn at a time. Is you just kind of dip your mask into the popcorn and get like a nice little uh, hammock going, and then you put your mask around and you've got like a little horse feed bag. I feel like I feel like that there's an invention that 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 is just waiting, chomping at the bit here. Someone needs to invent the popcorn mask. It's kind of like the beer hat, but it's just for popcorn. And I mean, how you get to put the thing on the horse, the bit, the the whatever it's yeah, called. Yeah, the feed bag. I mean, I mean, heck, yeah. I I eat my popcorn like a lizard, so it it would work for me. Right. Just kind of pop the bottom of the bag up into your mouth, but it's also your mask. That would be really hilarious. Is they sold that from the from the popcorn stand? It's like, oh, your popcorn no longer comes in a bucket; it comes in a big ass mask. <laughs> I would totally eat it like that. Uh, yeah. Um, I, the only I, I, sucky thing would be uh, <laughs> getting to the seeds at the bottom. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Sorry, Mike. Nah, it's fine. I. I think I've been affected by the events of 2020 because I've only gone once so far, even though I kind of want to go see Bill and Ted face the music. But I've just been eh, kind of... You're, you're a little bit better off staying home for that one. Maybe, but odds are good that I would be in the theater by myself anyway. I mean, I, I enjoyed that one, but I'm also glad that we didn't risk the COVID to go see it because it, it was kind of a letdown. Well, I I do feel like I should see it since I as a kid, saw a bogus journey in the theater. We'll find out. Since it's playing longer than I expected due to the dearth of new big releases, now that everything else has been pushed back again. Um, what movie did you see in theater? Tenet. Oh, Tenet. I heard that that was a confusing mess. It can be confusing, but I got it. Uh, I don't know. I just really like Chris most part. This one is worth seeing. Okay. That's the, this is the first positive review I've heard. Everybody else I've heard said that it's just very confusing. Maybe it's all of my experience stitching together confusing movies before this, but yeah, I can see how it's not cut and dried, but I also figured it out. Um, I don't think it's all that much more confusing than Inception, and a lot of people got angry about that. Anyway, mm. uh, oh, and I took Streets of Rage 4 for another spin after they released the big patch. And yeah, if you've played it a few times, you'll notice where the changes have been made. Oh, what is it? what does the patch do? Uh, it tweaks some difficulties. It allows you to actually get a hit in on some of the enemies that had invincibility frames, which were annoying. It mm. tweaks a couple of the boss, several of the bosses. It's it's really noticeable for the final boss, where no longer after you've landed about four or five hits on one of the Ys, one of them jump into the robot. It takes a little longer now. Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, it's definitely a game where that fine line between you know solid balance and feeling a bit of a cheat, like that that the computer's cheating a little too much. Yeah, the bosses in particular are really... Some of them have been tweaked, and, you, and you'll notice if you played the original. It's nothing groundbreaking, but it is neat to see that they're still paying it quite a bit of... Mm -hmm. It's a really... If you guys haven't played it, if you like the old-school 
you don't beat them up like the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Turtles in Time, or you know any of those uh, <laughs> Streets of Rage, The Simpsons. This is a really, really well done game. Rocky soundtrack, great graphics. I basically, uh, you know, really did a great job of. If you play Scott Pilgrim, like I played Scott Pilgrim, which I really like, and and that's coming. You still have it, right, Phil? I still have it. I know, like so that you can't buy it anymore. Yeah, yeah well, but they coming, announced that it's coming back. Coming back. It's coming back. Uh, Switch. Uh, but yeah, yeah. But I, for the longest, I had friends. My Kamora is like, oh, how do I get that? I'm like, oh, you can't. You used to be able to buy it off the PSN store. I bought it for ten bucks. If I had a hard copy, I think I could have turned around and sold it for two hundred because people are like, but I want it. Yeah, no, sorry, don't know what happened. Rights issues, I'm sure, but yeah. That's usually the answer. That's mm-hmm. why you can't buy the Simpsons arcade game anymore on on digital rights. Right. Or the Ninja Turtles arcade games, rights. Right. Mm-hmm. Or the it's X-Men arcade e- game, rights. Ruin everything. Those darn term-limited rights negotiations. Those mm-hmm. entertainment lawyers, well, they certainly earned their money. Stupid lawyers. But rage does just the asking price of the game uh which i think was what 24 25 i want to say i can't remember I, i'll look it, it up might real have quick. Been 30 might have been 30 I'm yeah sure was it? you'll get it on sale yeah or you can wait to get it on sale but i mean i bought full price it's totally worth full price it is a really well done game and different ways to play and different ways to, to experience it if you want a more difficult you know uh old school experience or you want to lay off the gas pedal a bit it's pretty cool i'll need to check it out Mm-hmm. Do you have to have any knowledge of the other Streets of Rage games? Nah, it, it helps. It, you'll get you'll get a lot of the references, but it's not yeah. necessary. Yeah, okay. it's not. It's beat 'em up games. A, a, a number of the things in there are appearances that came from the original Rage, but you'll still be beating the crap out of them, regardless of if you recognize them. Huh. Yeah. Does Rue show up? Not as a playable character, but you'll see him. He is in oh. there. Okay, because he was my favorite character in. Th- well, he'll probably show up as DLC, but mm. for now, if for now, if you keep a lookout, you'll see him tending bar of all things. Yeah, yeah, it's really cool. Lots of references. Cool. Oh yeah, and I and I've tried to play Banner of the Maid a couple more times, and I'm still getting that bizarre Steam glitch where the sound comes on. I can hear that the options menu is working. The icon shows up on my desktop as if the game is running, and yet there is no video. And for a tactical game, that just doesn't work. I kind of need to see it in order to play it. Can't just go off the sound there, Mike? Can you use a little imagination? Not really. Nah. I, I know that there are supposedly some fighting games which can be played by the blind, and more power to them, because the sounds of fighting games are inextricably tied to the action on screen. Tactical games... Uh, it sounds the same regardless of which square you're moved at the time. So I don't think I can use sound to guide my way. It's just not going to work. And the Windows Microsoft Assistant for the Blind doesn't like kick it in and say, I've moved to square. It doesn't like call it out like chess or anything. No. Missed opportunity. Stupid Microsoft. Well, of all the things we could blame Microsoft for, I don't think the top. Well, I, I hope, uh, you know, I, I hope they get it fixed, uh, maybe a patch or something, because I actually had bought the game on sale uh, sitting on my Steam account, didn't install it, but it was on sale. So, like, why not you pick it up? Phil, it's got good reviews. Try, uh, try and play it sometimes. See if you can get it to run. Okay. I'm, I'm curious. I could not find, well, I found a whole lot of issues, but none of them seem to be identical to mine. Maybe I'll have to ask Alex about it, see if the publisher can. Mm-hmm. 
anyway, that's yeah, that's pretty much all I've got for now. So you're up, Phil. Well, I've been busy aside from playing the occasional classic uh, computer game, uh, which we are oftentimes discussing uh, over at our Discord channel. We have a CRPG club, as I mentioned before. But uh, let's see. Oh my gosh, so many different. Just I've been all over the place. I just I'm in a different mood every day with everything that's going on. It's usually bad moods um, for some reason. I don't know why. And uh, and so I'll just pick up whatever I feel is going to be is going to take my mind off the most, which is usually something pretty and new and shiny. Uh, So uh, let's see here. Uh, I'll give you a quick shout out for uh, if you like Tower Defense, a little gem that just popped up on my radar from some random YouTube review. I said, oh, that might look interesting. I tried it myself. It's a game called Xmorph Defense. It's Tower Defense meets Twin Stick Shooter. And it looks I mean, if you're just looking at screenshots and stuff, it's nothing special. It's got a lot of bright, glowy effects, but uh, not going to win any awards there. It doesn't look like anything close to a AAA title. Certainly not priced like a AAA title. Um, it's like 20 bucks. Uh, but but it's it's really surprised me just how fun it is. Again, you got kind of like tower defense games. It's one of those tower defense games that you shape the uh, the enemy's path. What's really funny here is you're at the ground. Um and you're the aliens taking over Earth, and the uh, Earth defense is sending swarms of of tanks and airplanes to try to take your base out. So it's it's a lot of fun. Um, a game that a lot of us have been playing at RP Gamer. Uh, a lot of us, uh, including like Mr. Apps, were fans of uh, the card roguelike games like Slay the Spire. There's one that came out, or at least came into 1.0 a while back, uh, not too long ago, Monster Train. And if you like Slate Aspire, Monster Trade is very similar. Uh, some of the differences are, uh, well, first of all, maybe you don't know Slate Aspire. It's a roguelike card build, a deck building game. You start off with a basic deck. You're going to pick different paths uh, to go left. Cards for your deck, have opportunities to upgrade those cards, and then get into battles. And if you die at any point in time, like any true roguelike, uh, you will get to start over again from scratch. There's a little meta progression. You'll unlock uh, cards that will show up in different runs as random drops. Uh, but that's about it. You really got to get good, uh, you know, in these games. Again, like Slate Aspire, it can be definitely tough for new players, but but you just get good, and it's a good feeling of accomplishment. In Monster Trade. Uh, you will actually be summoning the monsters instead of just you know playing the same character all the time. It's uh, the, you do have a champion in your deck, uh, but you'll be summoning other monsters as well. Your your train, which is on its way to hell, has three floors on it, and at the, the top floor, the fourth floor, I should say, is is your engine, the heart of your your train that's headed towards hell. And these angelic beings, man, they want to stop you. They want to stop your monster train from getting to where it's trying to go. So they'll send all kinds of angelic beings at you, and you'll have to summon your demonic forces to stop them. And the three different floors means you can't stick all your monsters all in one place. Each floor is limited anyways. Uh, So you're going to have to strategize, because after every round of combat, the monsters go up a floor. And at the end of every fight, a boss appears, and the boss will just trade blows with your lowest level monsters until all of your lower level monsters or it dies. And assuming that the boss survives, which it often does, it moves up to your middle floor and tries to get through all of those until it gets to the heart of your, your train. It's very cool. It's very rich. It's very deep and it will suck your soul. Uh, so monster train, just a, a good roguelike deck building game. Uh, be positive on steam. And now I know why, since I played it, uh, my brothers and I have been playing Factorio 
the factory building game. Whole, that came out with a 1.0 release uh, a little bit after we recorded. And uh, I don't usually get into the, the what are they called, open betas or yeah, the pre-release. Yeah, the pre-release dealies. Uh, but I, 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 so when this hit 1.0, it's so addictive. You know, you're just building big factory. It starts off simple. If you put some ore in a furnace, it'll come out as a, as a bar. You put the bar into a doodad and it'll come out as plates. And then you can further process those plates. And then you have copper to do it. And it starts slowly getting you going. And here's how you build a power plant to make electricity. It just starts building and building and building on each other. I play games like Civ. I love, you know, Civilization and things like that. But I think what makes Factoria different is you're building a factory where it's very black and white. You can see the materials going from this factory to this factory. You know what this one produces. It's not like uh, SimCity where you're kind of guessing what the guy, what your, what your little people want, and you're trying to figure out what's going to be the best way to make them happy. And it's kind of not really. Uh, oh, you know, it's not really visible. Here, you could see every single element, and it's up to you to use all the different tools. And there are many tools, conveyor belts, three arms, the robotic arms, uh, all kinds of things, storage, chest, and, and eventually you, you get trains, trains uh, that will help you take materials from one end of your base to the other. And at first I'm like, oh, there's no way I'm going to need one of those. I can just run it over myself. Factorio rewards you for being lazy. That's what you end up finding out. Any of the stuff you could do yourself, you could just go mine the ore yourself and then you could smelt it and all this other jazz. But but once you see the beauty of setting up a machine to do it, and then you start saying, well, how can I automate this? Can, do I have to keep running the ore every time it smelts over to the uh, manufacturing plant? No, I can get a conveyor belt to do that for me. You know, So that I, it's a game that rewards lazy people like me. And I think it's really cool because it, it just there's such a sense of satisfaction when you put together a plan and it pulls off so well. Uh, it, it's really cool. So I, and then you can play with other people. And I didn't think this was going to be fun with other people because usually I get a plan in my head. And why would I want to try to coordinate that with other people? But it turns out with other friends that you're playing with, that you're talking with each other over the Internet, you could build a really big factory that gets bigger, faster than you could ever do alone. So... Friends that build together stay together. This uh, sounds sounds like my jam because I love the crap out of um, well, well, two things. I, I I love like Minecraft and Terraria where you could like get to build machines, but mm-hmm. I also it's, it reminds me how you're describing it, it reminds me of the factory bits in Rogue Galaxy. Mm-hmm. I don't know if yeah. you ever played that. I just play a little bit of Rogue Galaxy, but I never got to the to to that part. Yeah, so the factory bits in that part were kind of like a puzzle that you had to figure out where you like had to have a machine refine stuff and it had to it had like so many steps and each block was a step and then once you refine the item once figuring out that puzzle it would be available in the shops mm. and my little brain just loves figuring out stuff like that so I need to check this out. Oh yeah, no don't don't do it. Don't do it because this is like for people like us, this is crack cocaine because you just want to figure it out and how can you make it bigger and better and faster? Uh, you know, and I've already played through, I played, it took me four attempts. Like I just start bases over from scratch once I had a better idea of how things would work. I get a little bit further and then realize, okay, this isn't really working. Let me build another base from scratch. And, and that's the way I went. Other people will tell you just build a second base right there on the same map, but I would always start from scratch because that's the way I am. And and I, 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 the, the ending comes, you're basically the little bit of story you're getting here is you crash land on a planet 
and you want to take back off, but you got to build a new ship from scratch, and that requires a hell of a lot of building and research and all this other jazz. Uh, there you go, go build. And I've gotten to the point uh, where I've lifted off a spaceship. It was pretty cool. Yay, I did it. Uh, but all I want to do is I immediately start over a new game because I'm sure I could have built it faster. I'm sure I could have built it bigger. There was in-game stuff, like the big, huge spider tank that I never built. That's like an in-game type of thing. But even if there wasn't, but bigger, better, faster, stronger, maybe with more alien presence, maybe with more high, you know, different research cost. And that's not even getting into the, I'm sure there's mods for this thing, but it's it's huge and it sucks you in. And, and I was up late playing with my, with my brothers and solo. I, I didn't matter. Like if I play solo, I play solo. If they were around and we play together, that was, you know, that was even more fun. Um, but I've often said like people, some, some games I'll, I'll tell somebody I don't like it. They're like, Oh, well that's because you need to play it multiplayer. It's a lot more fun multiplayer. Well, I, you know, it'd be really even better. A game that's super fun solo and is even more fun multiplayer. And that's what this is yeah, for me. Multiplayer anyways. should be an enhancement, not yeah. a requirement. Yeah, yeah exactly. So, uh, yeah, Factorio is definitely that game that you will just get those dopamine hits if you're one of those people who gets those off of, of, of figuring things out. They give you the tools. They give you some training. I will admit that the tutorials, they got some good tutorials in there, but how certain things work. Um, but, oh, so, so good. There is a 3D similar game called Satisfactory. <laughs> get it? Satisfactory. Anyways, uh, I, I'm not, I've been playing that one a little bit, too. That's still in green. It's close to a 1.0, but it's not there yet. Um, but I was so much in love with Factorio, I figured I'd give it a shot. It was only 20 bucks. It was on sale. Uh, it's really good. I, it's beautiful. It's gorgeous to see your factories in 3D. is a different experience. But it just makes me want to go back and play Factorio. Because Factorio with the 2D and the fact you can pull that camera out further makes it much easier for me to conceptualize and 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 pull bigger projects together without having to bust out a notepad. So whereas with Satisfactory, it's all right there in your face and you can hardly see around. You can go up on a tower, but it's not quite the same thing. That, that does remind me, Is are all the resources that you need to play Factorium in the game itself? Or you, am I going to have to have another tab open with Wikipedia's open? I, I I feel like they could have done a better job with some of the tutorials. Um, okay. And so I did YouTube a few things. I don't think I've really gone to Wiki, but if you want, you know, like if you want the hardcore numbers, it's all there in the game. Like the game will tell you this factory. Um, if you're a Pinzu person or a note taking person, like my wife is, this will give you plenty of opportunities if you're into the number crunching for the ratios of different machines working together. Uh, I'm not quite that idle. I just kind of put things together and see what works. But uh, for people who are more organized and more problem, you can build bigger, better, faster. Like I'm amazed at some of these factories that people have put together. They're so streamlined. Clearly a lot of thinking went into some of those designs. So, but but I, I pretty much played the game. I watched a couple of tutorial videos, but not that many. And I beat the game on my own just by figuring it out. Because to me, that's the real joy and satisfaction. Right. Uh, is figure it out for myself. So, uh, but there's definitely a couple of things where I'm like, I don't quite get how the trains communicate with the station. How does that work? And, uh, you know, I just felt like the tutorial didn't do a great job. So I might've looked a couple of things up. Right. So. Cause that is one thing that drives me crazy about Terraria and certain, um, yeah. um, Minecraft mods is 
can't, it's not intuitive, can't figure out how to do something by yourself, so you have to go to Wikipedia or YouTube and hope that whoever did the YouTube video explained it well. Yeah. Um, Factorio is definitely not as bad as Solaria. Definitely not. See the entire weekend I spent trying to build a reactor in Minecraft Sky Factory. Oh, no. (laughs) Uh, Right. It's just uh, crazy. And and don't play Animal Crossing, boys and girls. That's also crack. Uh, Oh, my God. The the October update. I'm getting pumpkins. Pumpkins. Oh, my gosh. My wife got into it. All of her brothers got into it. Their sister got into it. They peer pressured me into it. And now I'm looking for my pumpkin. It's I had to renovate like a, I had to renovate like a section of my town to make room for the pumpkins. Yeah, I gotta oh. get around to doing that too. And I gotta update my dream because of it. Oh goodness <laughs> gracious! Uh, and one last thing, and then we gotta get going. Uh, I I've only done this for a few hours, but Genshin Impact came out. Free download, free to play, gotcha game. Ha <laughs> so free. Ha ha ha. Um, but I, I I mean this I caught my attention a long time ago because. When they were first working on the videos were coming out and stuff like that, yeah, I heard people reference Breath of, uh, you know, overall it's it's uh, obviously a lot of people think it's a great game. I think it's a good game. Uh, I still think it's good, but I also think it, it you know it has some things that rub me the wrong way from Breath of the Wild, but it's it's very pretty. Oh, deny on it. It came out. It was free to, to download and play. So I figured let me just give it a shot. And holy cow, as good as it looked on the YouTube videos, it looks even better when you're actually writing it uh on your computer because i download the pc version uh and it is gorgeous and it is very breath of the wild that was for i was playing with a friend online at the same time we were streaming and the running joke was because some no it's it's not really breath of the wild but every time we ran to like a goblin camp you know or we were gliding off of a high tower or anything or like yeah totally not breath of the wild sarcastically uh but but it's it yeah it's kind of like uh the combat's more actiony and less physics based in breath of the wild but it's got this elemental thing going on which is kind of intriguing i kind of i had a friend who had already put in a ton of hours because i was working and and after a couple of days and i had come home and i had only put in like three hours so far and he was talking me through a lot of stuff which was really cool uh telling me coming some of the ins and outs and he's watching me play he's like wait a minute, what What did you just do? I've only got the beginning characters and skills and stuff. And I'm like, well, I just did a fire tornado. A what? A fire tornado. Well, how'd you do that? I've never seen a fire tornado. I've been playing this game for like 20 hours straight. Where'd you get a fire tornado? I said, it, you, what you do is first you, you pull out the fire because you got different characters that you can flip out on the fly. And they're all got different elements that they focus on. So you take out your fire archer lady you set them, the little moblins or whatever. I mean, they're totally not moblins. <laughs> you set them on fire with a fire arrow. Then you immediately switch to your wind lady, who as a special attack can start a tornado. <laughs> and when that fire gets mixed up in the wind, because wind causes flames to spread, you know, anything that gets swept up on it gets the fire condition or the ignite condition and takes damage over time as it burns to death. It's fun as hell. But you can freeze the water and walk on it. You can uh, electrify a bunch of enemies who got wet because you used a water spell on them earlier. So it's kind of got that Divinity Original Sin vibe, but happening in real time with a faster Breath of the Wild type of combat system. Uh, it, it is uh, it is pretty fun. It is pretty fun. I don't know if it's got legs to last for you know, 50, 60, 70 hours like Breath of the Wild did with all the nuances they brought to the table with all the different physics. Just, uh, you know, with the elemental, you know, actions alone and the different uh, fighting styles of the different characters you get. Um, 
but I'll tell you more next time as I put a little bit more time into it and, and, and talk with friends who have a lot more free time than I do. But it's free to download, play, and try. The gotcha mechanics don't kick in until you pretty much have gotten through the main story. By that point, from what I understand from most people, is you've gotten a pretty beefy 30, 40, 50-hour JRPG in at that point. Does it have weapon degradation? I know, right? That was the funny thing. So I was, everyone's saying, everyone who plays this, who's played Breath of the Wild, is like, this is like Breath of the Wild, but the mechanics aren't as good, which objectively I would have to agree with that. Clearly there was more love and detail put into Breath of the Wild. It has no breaking weapons. It has no rain that comes down while you're climbing up the mountains. Because it has climb- it's really funny watching these anime girls try to climb up the mountain like Link does for some odd reason. It's just weird. Um, but it doesn't have the rain. It doesn't have the slip. All those things I complain about Breath of the Wild, it doesn't have. So no breaking weapons. It's great. I can beat the crap out of things and not have my weapon break. I love it. Woo-hoo. I know. It's the small things in life that make me happy. For what it's worth, I've also been going back and playing Breath of the Wild because of the uh, the Hyrule Warriors cala- Age of Calamity that, that we spoke into existence. We did it. We did it. We're getting a new Hyrule Warriors game, Age of Calamity. It's based off of Breath of the Wild. It's going to be a prequel to it, but using uh, a Muso type of engine. I'm super stoked inside because y'all know how much I love Muso games. And we talked about Hyrule Warriors to death, six-hour podcast, because that's how much how much love there is. Um, so I'm going back and playing as as much as it didn't really super win me over. I, you know, I'm gonna go back. I, I've been going back and playing more Breath of the Wild because I want to like get that whole experience before Calamity comes out. So good. I'm very excited, very stoked. Oh, oh my gosh. Okay, one more thing. I like Monster Hunter Rise. Go check it out. We're getting a new Monster Hunter game for the Switch, and it's going to be awesome. I'm so excited. We're getting two Monster Hunter games. Her wife was like, look at it. She's like, holy cow, what game is that? It looks like an epic RPG. I'm like, it's Monster Hunter Stories. She's like, what? <laughs> I'm like, yeah. It, she's like, that looks like a Final Fantasy game. I said, I know. It's great. So, yeah, go check out those trailers. Get hyped like me. Talk about it with us in Discord. We're running out of time. Uh, I want to thank you all and remind you all that RPG Backtrack is a production of RPGamer.com, your source for news, reviews, and home to the best gaming community on the net. Check it all out at RPGamer.com. They're on the website. Or hit me up at Twitter. I'm at JC Sir. And Mr. Mickey is at Jew Mason. Miss, uh, I never remember anybody else's handle other than ours. What's y'all's handles? Redrock963. Barry Eggs. Yeah, so hit us all up on Twitter or at RPGamer. Uh, we always get those as well. And let us know if you have any thoughts, questions, concerns, or anything else or suggestions you would like us to talk I forgot the rest of the legalese, so I'm just going to hand the baton off to Mr. Meeky. Please put us to bed. How about I say that regardless of what happened to Image Epoch, the RPG Backtrack, as it is not dependent upon the funding that we receive from you, is free to continue even if our views white match uh, image at box. Good night.
Just the world.